Friday, September the 29th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Love the uh, the content we have for you on this one. We'll go through NFL Week 4 games with Eric. We'll preview each one of those, and we'll get you all set up for everything happening in NFL Week 4. Then we dive into Friday and Saturday racing. First up for Friday, Woodbine, early pick 5. Then for Santa Anita, it's opening day of the Santa Anita Autumn Meet. We'll give you some best bets for Friday. Then we flip to Saturday Racing. We'll get you that Woodbine Early Pick 5 preview. And then Barry Spears joins me to talk about Santa Anita races 6 through 10 for Saturday. Four of them are graded stakes races. Opening weekend at Santa Anita. A lot of the last round of Breeders' Cup preps. So you'll see a lot of these horses that run well this weekend come back and run in the Breeders' Cup. Finishing up with... This week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. Chad joins me to talk about AEW, preview their Wrestle Dream pay-per-view coming up this weekend. We get into WWE, SmackDown, Raw, and NXT. We preview the NXT pay-per-view coming up this weekend. There was a couple cutouts, slight technical difficulties. I was able to put it all together, so it shouldn't impact the audio all that much. So NFL Friday and Saturday racing from Woodbine and Santa Anita. And then we'll get you wrestling with Chad Cooper. On this episode of That's What G Said, presented by Cindy Carava, full-service realtor. Cindy Carava, that means as a full-service realtor, she can help you with anything you need, like buying, selling, or leasing. She can connect you to the right type of vendors if you need help with home improvement, like gardeners, landscapers, and painters. Maybe you need help with that loan process. She'll connect you with the right type of lenders. She can even do a free market analysis of your home's value, that website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Let's move right into NFL Week 4 Game Previews with Eric. Feels like it takes forever to get here, but it starts flying through. We are already up to the fourth week of the NFL season. NFL Week 4 coming up, Thursday night game with the Lions and the Packers. I am Gino Bacola. I have my good friend Eric from ETOF21 Sports here. We've been here with you each and every game for the last three, four years. Uh, the last three, for sure, we've previewed every game together on this show. Um, regular season, playoff games. We're wagering on these games ourselves. We have been for a long time. We're playing fantasy, and we're also fans, which sometimes can get a little bit cloudy, but uh, always comes the money always comes the winning, then comes the fandom. But in game one this week, Eric's fandom is here with the Detroit Lions. So Eric, buddy, I guess before we get into this week, you and I were two and three in our five games that we put together last week. We've been two and three, three and two, two and three. So just one under 500 at the moment heading into week four. You had a couple of really good calls though from last week. I wanted to give you credit on before we move on and just completely forget about them. You called the Colts playing well against the Ravens. They won that game straight up. You called the Texans playing well against the Jags. They won that game straight up. Seven and a half point dog, straight up win. Nine and a half point dog, straight up win. And the Cowboy, we also saw another one. A lot of survivor pools were hit hard between those three teams last week. And you were on two of them on the opposite side. So nice call there, buddy. Thanks. You know, um, hopefully we can continue. Uh, You know, I did. Pissed I didn't sprinkle on the Colts money line. I had the Texas money line too. So good week overall. Hopefully, um, you know, we can uh, keep it going into this week. And I got a question. I'm not sure if you heard Taylor Swift was around last week. I don't know if you heard that. Did you hear that? Did you? I wasn't. I, you may not have heard. If anybody out there has not heard, 
Taylor Swift was around. Um, funny, funny stuff. But uh, Taylor Swift and Kelsey are dating, and now we're gonna see Sunday Night Football in New York in a game that possibly could be a blowout because they're playing the Jets. There could be a lot of Taylor Swift there. Could be a lot of Taylor Swift on that broadcast. Oh, that's all Collinsworth is gonna be talking about. Oh, I know. It's gonna be oh, the Taylor song. Swift. The song puns and oh, you know how impressive that you know how impressive those concerts that she puts on out. I'm telling you, Mike. That's not, not Al. It used to be Al. Now it's Mike. I'm telling you, she goes out there for three, four hours, and she's like an athlete. You know that's what that's what we're gonna be hearing about on Sunday. Um, things that stood out in Week Four, obviously the Dolphins putting up 70 points, three big upsets that I had just mentioned, all over a touchdown. Just three teams left that are 3-0. and Now, three undefeated teams oh. only through three weeks. There are four teams that are that have not won, and they play each other this week in the two games. So, so in a couple of – yeah, so in a couple of games, something's got to give unless we get some ties. Wasn't a great week for the NFC East. Giants got crushed by the 49ers to kick off the week on Thursday night. Then the Commanders got crushed by the Bills. The Cowboys got beat up by the Cardinals. Eagles salvaged the week with a win on Monday night football and the NFC South, not a great week for them either. Oh, and four, including a loss by the Falcons to the Detroit lions, Eric's Detroit lions, as we head over and start talking about week four lions at the Packers. So how about this one, Eric, the lions are a one and a half point favorite. On the road at Green Bay. So uh, not something you necessarily see all too often here. Green Bay's had sort of a weird start to the season. They've had some injuries early on. And their their metrics are kind of fascinating to dive into. Because they're, like, offensively, they've hit some big plays. They're like a real boom or bust type offense. Their success rate, down to down, not very good. Um, 17 on offense per on success rate per play, but their offensive EPA per dropback is third, carried by explosive plays, some penalty yardage. But Love is 32nd in completion percentage, he only has a 53% completion percentage, and he leads the league in air yards per attempt. So it's sort of like opposite. It makes a little bit of sense, though. You're not completing as much because you have the bigger arm. Um, he's off target a little bit, but. They've been making do. They come back from 17-0. They did not score on their first seven drives last week when they were playing the Saints. Then they score on three consecutive drives. They're down by 14. They score a touchdown to, to go down eight. And then they go for two. They do the analytic move. LaFleur did it. When you're down 14, you go for two because you have two opportunities to get that two-point conversion. Well... He did have the ball at the 10 on a fourth and two and elected to go for it when he was down 17 to nothing. Yeah. Um, which was that, which that was, that didn't make any sense I, at all because I you need really the three. right there in that situation with how much your team has been struggling. The, I think you needed to kick, kick it. Completely agree. I didn't like that at all. Um, the, the, the analytics stuff going for two in that situation. I mean, that's fine. I mean, like yeah. I had the minus one and a half. I was bitter about it, but it, it is what it is. I'm not going to, you know, he, did the right play. I was more upset about him. The, the field um, goal earlier. You got when you're down three scores that you have to make that you have to kick it. There makes no sense not to kick it. Yeah. 
that was a little bit. Um, You're going to need a kick at one point. Take the easy one right there and then just know you need two scores. Yeah. And, I mean, the big thing here, the, the, the tough thing for this, Jameer Alexander, Zany Arrington, David Bacchieri, Devon Campbell, Rashad Gray, Jenkins, Jones, Tom, Valentine, Watson, Decker, Jackson, Joseph, Montgomery, Mosley, Nelson. All banged up. Vitae. That's the injury report for this team. These for teams. this game. You have no idea who's going to be running out And there. the bulk the of those are on the offensive lines for both yeah. teams. But the fact that Aaron Jones sat out and Watson sat out, I really think that's because they had a Thursday game. Probably I Montgomery think, too. Yeah. I think if they would have, um, you know, if they didn't have the quick turnaround, I think those guys would have went. In terms of side, I mean, look, I I have to take the Packers here. I'm going to wait. I think we'll see more Detroit money come in. Um, the one prop bet that I did lock in, and this is like, like in the system – for uh for tomorrow luke musgrave over 36 and a half yards receiving lines have given up the most yards per game to opposing tight ends every single tight end has gone over their prop so i look i think this has already moved up to 38 i would lock it in anything under 40 i would take uh even if watson does play we have to remember he's coming back from a soft tissue injury those take a little while to get going the lions have not been favored at Green Bay when the Packers started their starting quarterback since 1986. There were four other times versus Packers backup quarterbacks. So 1990, 91, 2011, 2017. Uh, Pretty crazy there. It's just funny to see this number with the Lions favored on the road at Green Bay. Right. Troy's just kind of like, like I got got a t-shirt. I'll be rocking it soon. That says I was a Detroit fan before it was cool. Right, it kind of feels like they're kind of the team that them and the Dolphins, you know, that everyone's kind of liking. I just, I don't know, for them to go on, Goff historically has struggled. Goff as a favorite outdoors is 35.7% against the run. The really thing that stood out to me is when you kind of look at the yards per game, Lions are actually really good this year against the run. If Jones doesn't go and they're leaning on Taylor and A.J. Dillon, that's going to be really hard to run. I really uh, think Dylan's been terrible. Harder. Yeah. Dylan's been terrible. I really think the lions are going to be able to shut him down. I am worried though. If Jones goes, I'm a little bit concerned because he's just such a dynamic guy, especially in the, um, in the receiving game. Flip side of that uh, Packers struggle against the run Packers resting as many people as they did. I know um, a couple people. I know, uh, the tackle, uh, oh my God, I'm spacing on the tackle's name. Uh, back in area, he's been ruled out already for the game. Yeah. Then both of these sides, it's, I agree with you. It's tough for me to trust either one of these sides, just not knowing what their injury report is going to look like. And even what the report's going to look like, all these guys are banged up. They can be on the field and then out in a play or two. Yeah. That's the problem. There's a lot of guys that are injured, but just a couple points on each side before we move along. Packers, down by 17 through three quarters last week without a lot of key pieces. Um, It was the largest comeback win for them since week one of 2018 when they were down by 20. They did have seven offensive penalties, though, in the first three quarters. Three false starts, two holds, an illegal formation, and OPI. They were, like, checking off the boxes of all the different penalties you could have. Um, But they did take advantage of penalties. This is the second straight week when they've had some massive 
pass interference penalties go their way twice against Atlanta last week. And then twice this week, they had a 45 and then a 22 yard pass interference penalties on back-to-back plays. Good to see Dobbs get more involved in Musgrave. Eric, I think a play for me this week might be Dobbs because because of Watson's coming back. And even if Jones is back around, I feel like Dobbs is someone who will be forgotten about. He played much better last week. You, he just feels healthier now. And so he may be a step ahead of Watson, have a little bit more familiarity, a little more chemistry right now with the quarterback. And uh, he would be someone I might look to, uh, to target in this game. Um, Dobbs is someone that I've been high on. Yeah. Do- yeah. Dobbs is the number one here. Watson's just the field stretcher for whatever reason. Everyone thinks Watson's going to be the number one come the end of the year. We talked about it when we did the NFC um, North preview with the offense they run. It's more short, more elaborate. You need to be a sound route runner. Dobbs is a way better route runner than Watson is. So I could see Dobbs having a good game here too. In your Lions defense, ninth in EPA per rush, third in rushing success rate allowed. They just shut down a really solid Atlanta offensive line in a really solid run game. Seven sacks, two of them by Hutchinson. He's been awesome. Laporta, the first tight end to catch five or more passes in each of his first three games since the NFL-AFL merger. Uh, but those injuries on the offensive line that's hurt them. And, and there's one particular drive that stood out where they had a goal-to-go situation and five chances to score. Had to settle for a field goal. Yep. Can't can't do that against good teams or in games that might be close. But Goff, man, the offense, is the, the coordinators and the coaching staff, they've done a fantastic job with him. Fifth in the league in passing yards, sixth in passer rating so far this year. That's game one this week. That's Thursday night football. Lions at the Packers there. Lions as a short favorite for the first time against like full roster teams since 1986. So, uh yeah, it was a year before, a couple actually a couple months before I was born last time that happened. The Jags and the Falcons, they're playing in London. And you know what? This might be a game that Milo is watching, Eric, because they're also going to have a Toy Story broadcast of this game on ESPN and on Disney, uh, on ESPN Plus and on Disney Plus, where they have like they some of the players are gonna their players are gonna be animated. There's gonna be stuff like they're gonna be transformed into cartoons and stuff to try to, for the kids, um, Trevor Lawrence reportedly wants to be slinky dog. So, uh, toy story fans will be enjoying the Jags and Falcons London game. I mean, that's cute. I that's mean, cool. Cool kids. for the kids, man. And it's yeah. cool. Cause it's, you do it on a separate channel on a separate network, right? Like, and it's not something that's instead of the broadcast, it's not going to be taking the place of that. So if you don't want to watch it, you don't have to, but I'll flip. I'll wake up Milo a little early because for me, this game starts at 6.30. I'll put him in his chair and have a little breakfast for him, and he can he loves Toy Story, so I think he'll probably get a kick out of watching that, and maybe he'll, uh, he can spend a few minutes watching some football with Dad. But we have two teams coming off of a real disappointing week three, the Falcons and the Jags. So remember, this game starts early, and this game is in London, so Jacksonville doesn't have a home field advantage other than the fact that they've been to London more often than anyone. Man, they, they've been disappointing, and I got to give you a ton of credit. You sniffed this out. We were both not that high on Jacksonville overall this year. You really felt like they were going to con- kind of come back to life. Their special teams last week were awful. They allowed yeah. a kick return touchdown to a fullback. They had a blocked field goal that became a touchdown a few plays later, and they missed a field goal. 
And now Lawrence is one in four against the Texans. He was favored. They were favored in all four losses. The only quarterback since 1970 to lose four games to a team they were favored over. Now, I will say, he has actually been playing pretty well. It's not really his fault. He leads the league and drops by wide receivers when they are open. Um, they were without four. They they lost to the Texans who were without four offensive linemen and eight starters with a rookie quarterback making his third career start. Their first five drives of the game, missed field goal, punt, block field goal, punt, fumble. Ridley has really struggled. He had that great first half of game one. Since then, he's not been good. Last week, he had two drops in the end zone and two false start penalties. Just way off. They were 5 of 13 on third down, 0 of 1 on fourth down. Only the Jets are worse on third down than them. And it looks like Peterson now took over play calling. I just haven't been uh, impressed or I haven't been pleased with much of what I've seen from Jacksonville so far, Eric. And for Atlanta, it was a bad game for them last week. Detroit's defense shut them down. I, I need to see a little more creativity from Arthur Smith. He's really not letting Ritter do too much in a lot of these games and Ritter didn't look good. He took a lot of those seven sacks. It, it was a bad game for Ritter. I felt like he took a step forward in the win in the second half of the Packers game. Wasn't a good one for him last week. And the Falcons offensive line wasn't really good either. They, you know, they only averaged 2.2 yards per carry. If they can't take any shots down the field, it makes it really easy for other teams to stack the box and defend them. Uh, Falcons also missed a field goal. I would still lean Atlanta in this game slightly. I probably don't love, I don't, I would not lay the, the points with Jacksonville. I just still think Jacksonville may be a little bit over, over uh, valued in the market right now. And I, I think it's probably the opposite for Atlanta. I feel like a lot of people probably think, oh, okay, Atlanta lost last week. So their first two games, they weren't, you know, they're not really anything. Um, I'm higher on Atlanta than Jacksonville. I feel like at a field goal or over, I'm on the Atlanta side here. I mean, the interesting trend for me that really stood out is teams that are playing these, what are they called, international series games, are 60% against the number as the favorite. That's what kind of stood out to me. Favorites tend to cover here. Um, I really don't like betting these London games unless I have a real strong feeling. Both these teams. They're just like weird. Guys, They're weird games. Routines are different. Are Everything's off. different. There's no real Both home. They're coming off a pretty poor performance. Um, so there's no real opportunity to get team in a down. They're both kind of at a down right now. And um, I don't I think there's the number. The, yeah. I would lean Atlanta just because I like Atlanta more. But it's not. If this was three and a half, I'd be all in on Atlanta. I just don't I think just don't there's think, a lot of value on the, on the number either. I think Atlanta has the advantage in the trenches. Ridley dropped two TD passes last game. Obviously, a revenge game for him. Looked at firing him. Came up in your DFS stuff. He's due for a bounce back. Uh, can the Falcons, uh, excuse me, can the Jags stop, stop the run? How's the Jags defense going to look? Uh, are they going to be able to stop the pass? I mean, if Ritter does pass, I don't know. There's This game for me is nothing. I don't want anything to do with this game. I'll eat my Sunday morning pancakes and watch. And uh, keep in mind, folks, uh, we are looking at the lines on DRF Sportsbook. If you're in the state of Iowa, sign up for a DRF Sportsbook account. Use the promo code FAST350. It'll get you all the way up to a $350 deposit match bonus. You can be playing along soon. We got a divisional game in the AFC North. The Ravens at 
the Cleveland Browns. This one has dipped now down to Cleveland minus two and a half. Browns, their defense has been incredible. They, last week against the Titans, allowed 94 total yards and six first downs. In week two, Pittsburgh got nine first downs and scored 12 total points. In week one, Cleveland had six first downs and scored three total points. The defense has given up 18 points. The offense has given up 14 because they had a couple pick sixes in there. Um, In the red zone, they've only allowed one field goal. They're allowing a league low 3.2 yards per play, which is the best in almost 100 years. They have a 60% three and out rate. Incredible job by Jim Schwartz. You called this during the offseason. You really like this move for their defense. They're first in EPA per dropback allowed and second in EPA per rush allowed. The problem is, and it hasn't been a problem really yet for them because the defense is so dominant. And when you have a defense that is that dominant, it may not matter all the time. But the offense is just 22nd in EPA per play. So the offense isn't anything fantastic. And while Watson looked better last week, it was the best game we've seen from him in a Browns uniform since everything went down and since he came over from the Texans. But he was playing against a really bad Titans secondary who has let everybody look good against them. And he was graded quarterback number 11 on the week. So even in a great week for him, he was still like a top third quarterback. He's number 18 on the year so far. Um, it was his best passer rating since 2020. I mean, the thing that, that sticks out when you're watching the film is just Garrett. Again, I'll give you credit. You pointed this out. How unstoppable he is on defense when you have other guys around that can also make plays. Because if you pay attention to Garrett, all these other guys are going to hurt you. They had two tight ends spying him. Yeah. Um, I talked about this on my stream last night. Um Schwartz is doing stuff we haven't seen before. He's having the interiors uh, down in the stance. Garrett and Smith standing up. He's putting Garrett in motion. He'll have him line up on one side, go to the right side, then go back to the left side. What we're seeing from Schwartz is just kind of a master class. And when you kind of look back at what he's done, now granted, his tenure with the Lions wasn't the best, but from where they were to where they were when they left, they got better. Went to the Bills after he was fired. Immediately took that defense, which was bottom tier, to the, one of the better ones in the league. Was off a year, worked for the league. And then he was four years in Philly. Transformed that defense to one of the better defenses. Led him to a Super Bowl. And then had some health issues. And now this is his first year back. And we kind of like all forgot. This is way better than I thought it was going to be. We all kind of forgot how smart this guy is Yep, defensively. Because um, he has the now like the scheme and the personnel, right? You have the personnel that you can play and the around. Secondary is playing a lot better than I thought they were. They are. They are. The secondary is playing a lot better in terms of this game. Um, on a different sports book, uh, a three popped, and I was able to get a three here. Lamar Jackson as a dog in his career twelve times, an insane eleven and one. He's eight and one as a road dog in his career. So he, this is a spot he covers. And we've talked about this with Skafanski before against the AFC North. He is six and 14. And like all of those wins come against the Bengals. Pretty much. Yeah. As yeah, a favorite, he doesn't beat the North, other teams. Yep. As a favorite two and eight, 
Favorite in general, 11 and 19, 37.6. Um, Browns, it looks like all these guys that were hurt, excuse me, for the Ravens, are starting to come back to practice. So they're going to be a little bit more healthier going. And that was the- last year, they had eight guys out at one point. Four it was last, last week, like, they were depleted as hell, and it really showed up against that Colts team. Especially because um, they went into overtime, right? So you're yeah. later in the game, you got less bodies out there. People are hurt, people are banged up. They, they were sloppy. I mean, they they started really good. It, it sort of felt like a trappy kind of game that they just thought they were going to win. They complete their first 10 passes of the game. And then there was this stretch where they fumbled on four out of nine plays right before yeah. halftime. It was bizarre. And yeah. then Tucker has a 61-yard attempt at the end of regulation to win it. It falls a couple yards short. It's not often when he's not the best kicker in a game, but he ended up like losing out in this game where Matt Gay was awesome. I think he had four plus 50 yard field goals, uh, 50 plus yard field goals. My buddy, he's a huge Ravens fan. And every time before he, uh, what's his face kicks, he always just texts me good. Oh no. Did he do it? He mushed them. He did. It was kind of funny. It, It was legitimately kind of funny. He texted me good. Um, because that thing was dead center too, right? Like yeah. it looked good. And then it just, you see it getting shorter. Yeah. It's like, Oh no way. Uh, um, in terms of this game, you know, just kind of looking at and then it. They, and not, not to interrupt real quick. Yeah. Then there was that, that face mask penalty, which I know a lot of penalties and a lot of stuff gets called throughout the game that gets missed here and there, but it was a bad face mask penalty in overtime that would have, kept the drive going and put the Ravens in way closer field goal range. And they probably win the game and they just missed that on Zay flowers for sure. So um, yeah, I, I like the Ravens side in this too, but you, I, I think I'm with you. Like I would, if he didn't get three, I would wait for it to, to possibly go back to three if, if possible. Yeah. Um, you know, the Ravens are only giving up 200 yards passing per game per DVOA. Their pass defense is sixth. Um, and then the rushing defense, you know, they've given up, they're the eighth they've given up the eighth least yards in rushing yards per game dvoa has them as the ninth best rush defense fifth best defense overall i think this ravens team is going to be able to limit watson brown still have some injuries in the front i'm going to just bet the bounce back spot here and we need to remember that this is the best quarterback that this browns defense has played has it looked great yes week one burrow was hurt Played Tannehill, who, you know, has been looked, terrible in two of the three weeks. He's had one OK week. And then played small hands Pickett, who I'm not a huge fan of. So no, no, Pickett's I, been terrible too. Pickett's I been think, awful too. You're you're absolutely right. This is better by far a team that's familiar overall with some of the personnel. Better, so to me, the number's the key here is if you can get it over at three. Uh, where do we head next, Eric? The Bengals Titans. at the Titans. This one has been uh, a, a playoff game that we've seen, and these two teams have played each other a couple times over the last few years. Titans are a two-and-a-half-point dog at home, so the Bengals are two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. They got their first win of the year on Monday Night Football. I mean, they didn't look good, though, especially on offense. They were one of seven on third down in the first half. They only scored six points. They end the night five of 17 on third down and one of one on fourth down give you an example, just anyone that may not have seen the game, they got an interception on the 41 yard line and they went backwards eight yards and had to punt. Couldn't get anything out of it. 
Um, and they can't go deep down the field right now because of the Burrow injury. He just can't plant. It was the first time in his career that he has won a game with a less than 80 passer rating. It's the second time this year he's had a passer rating under 60. He never had one passer rating under 60 in his career before this year. And it's already happened in two of the three games so far. Right now, he and I again, I like Burrow. I'm not saying like he's obviously hurt. So it's 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 I'm not saying he's bad and he's going to be bad forever, but if this is the version we're getting right now, this version is 32nd in the league in yards per attempt and 31st in completion percentage. So what does that tell me? That's the opposite of what I was just saying about Jordan Love, right? Jordan Love has a bad completion percentage, but it's because he takes big shots. This yeah. is a bad completion percentage and like bad yards per attempt. So it nothing's really making sense here. Um, the defense played well, though. They were all over Stafford on passing downs, six sacks. Only one player had more than one. So they spread it all around. Great game for Chase. He got back involved. Uh, yeah, just 4.2 yards per play. They only had 2.9 yards per rush. That wasn't great. So another instance where you have two teams that while the Bengals won, I, I don't, I don't think I was really impressed with them, especially on the offensive side in the, the health of Burrow. Higgins had another awful game where he just couldn't connect at all with Burrow. Then on the Titans side, that was probably one of the most disappointing games I had in Vrabel in a while. Right before the end of the half, they're down 13-3, and you kick a field goal, and it's 13-6, and you're down by seven. And mm-hmm. they, it was a bad play call. He called a pass play, like, and, and it was stupid for Tannehill. He took a sack, and then all of a sudden, you just can't kick a field goal. So you eat those three points, and you just right then you just felt bad momentum if you were someone on the Titans side there. And their secondary struggled. They had 94 total yards. Eric, I mean, it doesn't matter. You're not winning any games with 94 total yards. Six first downs in the game. Uh, Spears actually has outsnapped Henry in two of three games. And Tannehill is graded number 31 in the league in offensive EPA per drop back, 28th in completion percentage. He's been sacked 13 times. They got a turnover on a fumble recovery on the 17-yard line. They go backwards nine yards in three plays and end up having to kick a 44-yard field goal. Uh, they had eight penalties, four that were automatic first downs. I'm I'm leaning Tennessee as this play in here, Eric, but I don't I would want three probably. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to play either way. And I don't think it's going to get there. Yeah. It's not going to get to three. This actually, today, this got down to one, one, one and a half. Um, There's been a little buyback to two and a half. I don't see it getting to three. I actually locked in at two and a half. Vrabel is a dog, you know, 25, 16 and one, 61%. Home dog, 62 and a half percent. But we talk about buying low, selling high all the time on here. Teams that scored three points or less that are a home dog, are 62% against the number. So it kind of means there's a little bit inflation here. Um, Burrow, and the thing we need to remember here is Burrow's not 100%. From what I've been told, and I know someone who, who knows what he's talking about because he's he's there, this calf injury is a lot serious than people realize. He's having a yeah, hard he time. Yeah, he didn't look good. And it's a short week. Move. The guy I talked to is actually shocked he even played. Now you're playing against the Titans who have a phenomenal defensive line. Titans are going to be able to get to him. And already Burrow is somebody that holds on to the ball a little longer than he should because he likes to throw it up. He likes to go deep. His average depth of target tends to be toward the 
top of the NFL when the season ends. I think this defensive line is going to be able to get to um, to get to Burrow. And then another thing, everyone's talking about Burrow. This defense for the Bengals hasn't been that good this year, especially against the run. Last year, they were they gave up what was it, the fifth least running yards, rushing yards per game. This year, they are giving up a hundred and 51 yards rushing per game, which isn't that good. It is, what is it, the third worst. I think that the Titans, I think they're going to be able to run on them. I think they're going to be able to run on them, then, thus they're going to shorten the game. DVOA has them as the 28th, the Bengals, the 28th best rushing defense 22nd defense overall. This Bengals defense is down. Titans defense is actually playing pretty good overall. And even EPA oh, has just, here. just like you said on those uh on those rushing metrics also. EPA rushing success rate. Cincinnati is giving up a 44% success rate on rushes. Think about that. Almost one out of every two rushes for another team is being graded successfully. So that means if it's first and 10, they're getting like five yards on that to make it a positive down. So then it'll be second and four. If it's second and four, they're getting three yards to make it third and one. Whatever the down is, they're getting positive almost 45% of the time. That's not good. That's 25th in the league. They're 26th in overall rushing EPA. Um, So again, you're right. Those are places that Tennessee wants to hit. That's the focus on Tennessee running the ball. I'm not on the Bengals side here. Um, this might be one of our five if we can't come together because I definitely am fine being on Tennessee. Um, I just would, I don't think we're going to get the number I want and I might have a couple other spots, but if me and Eric need to get five, this could be one of them, but Eric, I'm ready for the Super Bowl next. We got the Broncos at the bears. So how about this? The Broncos before, before you go into this, I need, I just need to go through my little, my little stats I have for this. Give them, give it to us. Jared Goff has as many rushing touchdowns as Justin Fields. There, I had that. That was one that I had on here. Keep going. Though. Anything else? Do you have the Mac Jones one? No. I, okay. Go ahead. Mac Jones has one run more RPO plays this year than Justin Fields has. Unbelievable. And Unbelievable. The thing, the thing that just blows my mind is why Jim Caldwell, Came in to Chicago with a multi-year plan. Five-year plan. He was going to do to develop Justin Fields from A to B. Now you're in a situation, you hired a coach 20 games into his tenure. Fields has not got any better. And it's to the point now we may he may need a change of scenery. You may have to trade him. And he's three and seventeen. Three and seventeen. Three and 17. It's just awful. DC's house is again raided by the FBI. It's just, it's just a bad look. Um, I mean, la- last week, and- like you said, they're getting raided. They had equipment stolen. Yeah. And the crazy thing just- is, this is a crazy thing. If your pace, you have to start thinking right now, okay, we're going to have probably the first, first and fourth draft pick. We're going to have some yeah. high draft picks at least two in the top 10 fields. You need a rookie, a a quarterback on a rookie contract. 
you could probably get some draft picks for Fields. You move on from Fields and take Mayor Williams. That's literally where, what the Bears season has come from. The team that everyone bet down from 100 to 1 to win the Super Bowl to less than 50 to 1 could be moving off of, off of Justin Fields. Um, I, I, that's, yeah. That's, there, that's there's some, yeah, there's some stuff here, man. Uh, they've lost 13 straight, the Bears. They've been outscored by 190 points during that stretch. 80 points worse than any team during that stretch. Only eight coaches in NFL history have ever lost 13 straight games. Eberflus, there we go. You were mentioning some of the numbers, 3-17. and 17. They've won three playoff games over the last 25 years. This one play was just such a, a play to me that summed up the team this year. So, or this one like series of plays. They take a bad sack, then they have to punt. And their special teams, it looks like the punt is going to be a great punt. It looks like they're going to pin them at the one. And the special teamer is down there, and the ball bounces right through his hands. And it goes into the end zone. That's a 20-yard swing. That's like that's worse than a pass interference penalty. You know, like a 15-yard penalty that you, yeah. you don't even think about. That's a huge – that's 20 yards of field position just because a guy took his eye off the ball for a second. It bounces through his hands. Uh, it, you know, like, they're just not well coached. I no. mean, you can, you can say what you want. And At the end of the day, they're just they're not. They're not. They're not. Neither, oh, what no. about Denver? The, Denver just gave up well, 70 points, and they're a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. It's just yeah, funny. And the to, thing, the thing I said during the West, I said when we did your AFC West preview, my worrisome was the wide nine technique that uh, Joseph. Joseph. And he's been and terrible. Insists on running, and McDaniel just – Zone ran that to shit, and that's what you do against it. You that like literally against the zone rush, it was just boom. It was it was just they just eat up eat them up. Um, like Denver's offense, if you just isolated their offense and you were only looking at their offensive metrics, everything is like in the middle, fifteen ish, sixteen ish. They're like right down the middle at most of the offensive metrics, like. Offense like EPA per play and success rate and those types of things. Their offense hasn't been bad, and people want to pile on Russ because it was fun to do so last year. He has not been the problem with this team. See, Their defense think, is historically bad, like horrendously I, bad. I think he's better, but I think he, he's taken a little too long. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's not back or anything like that. He's he's never gonna get back to where he what his peak was, but He's not the whole reason why they're struggling. I think they're 14th in in offense. Like I said, all of their metrics, whether you're looking DVOA, EPA, they're all somewhere in the like 14 to 20 range. One of the big team, one of the big things, um, they're just not including the the pass to the running back. He's trying to throw it downhill. Yeah, all downhill, nothing short. And that's, that's always been one of the real issues with Russ, right? Yeah not wanting to take the little stuff that's right in front of them. Um, Fields had 11, 11 yard, 11 completions for 99 yards passing. And then again, like one time he's injured. He looks woozy. He has to be helped to the sidelines. They're down by 38 points. Why do you put him back in the game? Like, what are you doing at that point for this guy? And you bring him back in makes no sense. Nine possessions for them to score their first point of the game, which was a 20 yard field goal with, 13 minutes left to go in the game. Their defense, hey, they got their first takeaway of the year in the third quarter when they were down by six scores against the backup quarterback. 
That's their first takeaway they've had so far this year. They've allowed 106 points in 33 games, second most allowed in team's history. The big free agent acquisition, Edmonds targeted 11 times in coverage, allowed 10 receptions, 88 yards, and a touchdown. This will be the first time in history two teams meet each other after combining to allow 110-plus points and over 1,100 yards the week before. That's what we're talking about with these two teams. Want, but at the end of the day, look, I have a rule. When two shitty teams play, you always take the team getting points. Absolutely. I'm taking the Bears plus the three and a half, especially once they're at home, they're getting the points, and it's over the field. I, I need to wait. The, I mean, I want to, but I'm waiting to see if there's any bullshit that comes out in the media in the next bitching, fields bitching about the but coach. if we're talking sunday Another morning and this is that game. that line you would lock in three plus three and a half sunday morning i would make plus three if everything three and a half if everything's kosher sure if like shit starts coming out then there's no way in hell broncos zero and three with peyton but again russell wilson had 193 yards passing at halftime how about this they have three losses by 50 points or more in their franchise history Eric, the last team to have three losses or more by 50 points in their franchise history was a team that you lost a couple times on. Uh, the old Rochester Jeffersons back in 1925. Those yeah. uh, those Rochester Jeffersons. Let's keep rolling along. Where do we go next? Rammies at the Colts. So the Rams, this, this one's bas- a, basically a pick them now, right? This one's back to yeah, like right around even. Like some of these games. We don't know with Richardson. Well, we don't know with Richardson. Your boys are insanely banged up on yep, the, offensive the offensive line now. And the first two weeks they were good, but then last week they allow six sacks in that game. And if they're going to be, if that offensive line is going to look like that, then yeah, they, just, they're only they it's they you can't play them. It's it's tough because their offensive and, line like, did look better. The Colts is their back four, but if you don't have anything to block, like the Forrest Buckner and the the people up front. Stafford can't take advantage of it. Um, Something else to kind of monitor. And this is the thing that kind of stood out to me. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love their center, Ryan Kelly. I love that guy. And I can't imagine what he went through. And the fact he's out there playing is great. He used to be one of the better centers in the league. But he's just not what he used to be. No. And they're actually better when he doesn't play. He was yeah. banged up last week. If he goes, maybe Donald could take advantage of it. Uh, I would kind of lead the Rammies here if I knew that the offensive, offensive line is okay. Because the weakness of the Colts is their back four. But, um, you know, I'm just probably this is another game. You know, I'm going to I'm gonna sit out and just kind of like lean back. And Minshew probably gives the Colts a better chance to win – most games we don't know like and Rich, we don't know he he's yet to make it through a full game yeah and and that's the problem too and like ceiling wise richardson his running gives him this incredible ceiling he can't make throws or even like some consistent throws like Minshew can so totally and different sort of offenses with the two of those guys i will say this both these coaches from that used to be on the eagles doing way better than i thought they were and yeah. If I'm the Colt, if this this guy, Shane Shelkin, Steichen, Steichen, whatever his name is, if he had Fields, oof, he oh my doing, gosh, he'd be doing Any- he would be doing some work, but unfortunately he doesn't. 
Um, you know, we got to monitor the Jonathan Taylor thing. Taylor, I saw an X when I, before we started talking or Twitter, whatever the hell it's called mm-hmm. that, you know, he's very adamant. He doesn't want to go play for the Colts. What are they going to do? Are they going to look to move him? Uh, it's really going to be interesting to see uh, in terms of the game though. Tough until we know what's going on with this offensive line for your rant, for your boys. Uh, so this is just a pass for me. The Colts have to give some love to kicker Matt Gay last week. Four field goals of 50-plus yards. Only kicker ever to hit four 50-plus yarders in a single game. He made all five field goals that he had. He was responsible for 16 of the 22 points. They gave him a big contract that a lot of people laughed at. And it's still you don't something you don't need to do. But in a game where he was playing against the best kicker of all time, he was the guy that stood out. And that's pretty cool. Like, that's cool when you can go against MJ and and you have your night, you know, for whatever it, it was. And he got to outkick the best kicker, which was pretty cool. And um, the Colts, how about them? They're two and one. I, I like, you, you were talking about their coach. They He got a little cute, but I don't know if you saw the play where they lined the kicker up out wide. Did you see that? And so they made Baltimore. Baltimore was like, what the hell are they doing? And so Baltimore calls a timeout. So he made him call a timeout just because he lined the kicker up out wide. Um, And then he put the field goal team on, but he tried to rush the team off. But then, of course, like if you do that, the defense can substitute. So then it ended up in a delay of game. So like the first thing he did was awesome because he made Baltimore waste a timeout just because he lined the kicker up. But then he like tried to get to he, he got his little big for his britches. He was like, okay, cool. That worked. Now I'm going to try to do something. And that backfired. And they ended up getting a, a delay of game on the next one. But I like this coach. I really do. And um, the scheme was good. He, he had a lot of stuff that was uh, well-designed for Minshew. We will wait a little more on this one though. And we'll have more information for you on this one later in the week. If you join me and Eric on Friday for the winning ticket or on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern time, Eric, next game is uh, the game of the week. Dolphins at the bills. Bills are a three point favorite. I will say I locked this one in immediately at two and a half um, on the Bills side. And I, I, cause right away when Miami was scoring 70, it just was a situation where I I was going to play against them based on that. Like anytime a team has a game where they are that successful and, and things go that well for them. I'm just always going to fade them, Eric. And that's what's happening right now. Like everything, like every statistic out there that we're hearing about the Dolphins is incredible. I, I'm. It's going to sound like I'm coming off as a hater or something. I'm not. They, they. It's only the fourth time in history a team scored 70 points. They actually scored the most offensive points ever because the only other times when teams scored 70, they had defensive touchdowns or other scores in those like special team scores. So this was all offense. It was well-balanced. Tua was 16 for 16 to start. And you know what I really like as a gambler and as someone that's a coach is that they had a chance to go for the all-time record for 73, and their coach said, nah, we didn't need to do it. Why? You don't need to rub it in. You don't need those extra points. There's going to be a time, maybe this week, against the Bills or in the playoffs when you need a field goal. And you may get it then. It just is like a karma thing with the sports gods. If if there was a game where it was close and it was like 70 to 50 and they were going back and forth and they wanted to keep scoring, I'd get it. But I love to me as a coach, I, I felt great when I heard that McDaniel just said, nah, we don't need it. Why? You know, it's not, it's not worth doing. What if somebody goes out there and 
twist an ankle on the setting, getting set up for the field goal. Something stupid could happen, right? And it just, I love the fact that they didn't. But man, they are way too overvalued and way too overhyped right now. This is a 3-0 and team that could be 1-2. and Like, their offense is amazing, but as good as their offense is, their defense is not. Their defense right now is still 21 in DVOA metrics. And this Bills team, I think, is a little more well-balanced. I like what I saw from them. They've kind of quietly been good the last two weeks after they lost in week one. Next two games, they won by 28 points or more. That was the first time since 2002 a team lost week one and then won their next two games by 28 points or more. They have the best coverage grade in the NFL based on pro football focus through three games. A lot of those nine sacks last week against Washington – That was because of the man coverage, which was really, really good. They can put pressure on the quarterback without blitzing much. Um, You know, seven, uh, they had the sacks and interceptions only allowing three points last week. They got to be a little better in the red zone. They had to settle for a couple field goals early. Um, But I like the fact that Josh Allen, no sacks, no turnovers against a good Washington defensive front last week. That Washington defensive line is better than the Dolphins defensive line. And he was very good and clean against that defensive front. They're just more balanced overall. Seventh in EPA per dropback passing offense. Fourth in EPA per rush. Passing defense, second in EPA. Their rushing defense is also top top half of the league. It's 15th. So not really a whole lot of weaknesses there. And I think because the Miami offense has been so, so good, Eric, we're forgetting that they still have some holes on the defense. Fancio doesn't quite have all the personnel there yet. Um, I like Buffalo in this spot. I locked him in at two and a half. I wouldn't lay more than three, but I do I do like them in this spot. Yeah, I played the minus two and a half. Uh, teams that started 3-0, 3-0 ATS are 42.3% ATS week four. Teams 3-0, 3-0 ATS that are road dogs, 12.5% ATS. Teams that won by 38 points or more, Following week, 41% ATS. Teams after scoring 40, 40 points, 46.8%. The betting trends just say to take the Bills here. Um, you know, if we just kind of look into it, the Chargers game, like you mentioned, just came down whoever had the ball last. Pats, six drives resulted in the Finns territory, only got three points. There is some sort of universe where the Finns are one and two right now, and people are questioning if two is the right guy. Yeah. Well, they're three and oh coming off a historic performance. You know, it's time to kind of pump the brakes. Uh, this is going to be the best defense and best offense they've played. Uh, Coho has graded out great in the back four, but Apple and Howard are graded very low. I think Gabe, this is going to be a big Gabe Davis day. I think he's going to be able to take advantage of that. Yeah. I absolutely love the Bills here. I'll take the two. I, I bet the two and a half as well. Yep, we're both going to be on the Bills. That's one of our plays this week. Vikings at the Panthers. Vikings were 11 and 0 in one score games last year, 0 and 3 in one score games this year. They have now just a 2.3 chance to make the playoffs. There's only uh there has not been a team starting 0 and 3 to make the playoffs since the NFL expanded to 17 games. Last team to do it was the 2018 Houston Texans. They got inside the Chargers 6-yard line four times and had 10 points in those trips. They threw the ball 50 times. Cousins was 32 for 50. He leads the league in passing yards. Not Tua, not Mahomes. It's Cousins. He's on pace for over 6,000 passing yards and 51 touchdowns. 
He's only the fifth player ever to have at least 325 passing yards and two touchdown passes in each of their first three games of a season. They ran the ball a little bit better this week. Madison had 20 carries for 93 yards, but I mean, they allowed 445 yards, uh, two different receivers to catch seven passes, more than 120 yards. They just, they get lit up, man. They, they kept blitzing over and over and it just wasn't working. Herbert completed 40 passes. They just don't have, like you've pointed out, they don't have the personnel to fit Brian Flores' scheme, but they just keep doing it even when it's not working. Um, so the, the Chargers decide to go for it late in the game on their own 24 with a minute and 46 seconds left. They get stopped. So the Vikings have the ball. They got to score a touchdown. They're down by four with a minute 46. It's a fourth and five on the 15-yard line, 41 seconds to go. They pick it up but they take 29 seconds to run another play. <coughs> they said that they couldn't hear the play being called. There was confusion. It was such an a, unbelievable end to a Vikings charger game that couldn't end any other way than that. All this confusion, all of a sudden there's only 12 seconds left to go. They run a play first and goal from the six and they throw an interception. It's like <laughs> you couldn't have scripted it in a movie for it to end worse for those two teams. Now I got to say Carolina, if Andy Dalton's playing, I'm playing Carolina here. See, so this is this is my thing. Like, I have a couple – I have a thesis. Young was benched. You can't tell me that he has an ankle injury and he's standing up. That game was four hours with how many goddamn penalties they had. Yeah, that he's standing, standing up, up for the whole time. Four hours in no walking boot, walking around on the sideline with an ankle injury. He got benched. I mean, he – Footwork sucks. He's not seeing guys. My main thing is this this is why this is my worry with the Panthers. Frank Wright in the team meeting saying, hey, you know what? We need to get Adam Thielen the ball. He had what 15 targets? He had 11 catches for 145 yards. It's absolutely absurd. Now, granted, Mingo got hurt, you know, but you have Terrence Marshall, you have Miles Sanders. You have Hayden Hurst, Seattle, awful defending the tight end. And for whatever reason, they're just locking oh, in. I just don't get it. Panthers have an absorbent amount of injuries defensively. Offensive line, they had eight false starts on Sunday. And six of them came from the experienced tackles, and they couldn't run the ball either. 14 carries, the noise in Seattle got to them. One point, they had back-to-back penalties. So they go third and four, and all of a sudden, it's third and 14. But, yeah, I, just don't, I mean, it just – What's gonna both these teams are three and oh and three? You know, it's tough to kind of see who's gonna show up. From what I feel like the Vikings lose this game, Cousins is as good as gone. He's gone, the Jets. Yeah. Um and I I think that nothing. I mean, like maybe I maybe if it gets up to five, like I looked at one book before we started recording, it was at four and a half. But right now, oh, it's at four and a half here too. But right now there's nothing. Yeah, I'm. If this is on Sunday, if this is uh, if this is Dalton, I'm playing it at four, four and a half, because I think this is a close game. I mean, I think the Vikings probably win a close game here, but Young has only had a better passer rating than Zach Wilson. So Dalton had four passes of twenty yards of twenty plus yards in that game. They only had one in the two games with Young prior to that. He just was not good. He did not look comfortable. Dalton's a pro. And he can at least like make some things happen. And the Vikings don't have a great defense either. 
So like they should be able to move the ball fine here. Um, but you're right. Like they're depleted now. They lost linebacker Thompson. Horn is out. A couple more on the defensive side went out with injury. And they couldn't beat a banged up Seattle team. But I'm going to probably play this if it's if it's four-ish and it's Dalton on Sunday, I'll be locking it in on Sunday. Let's keep rolling, Eric. We head next to Pittsburgh Steelers at the Houston Texans. Man, Stroud, Dell, Will Anderson, all making massive contributions for the uh, the young Texans team. Pittsburgh's a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in here over under 42. Stroud has been fantastic. 900 passing yards in his first three games. No interceptions. Last week, he was playing without four offensive linemen. And while he has some pro wide receivers, right? There are some solid wide receivers in the room. He doesn't have a number one guy. There's no Jefferson or a guy like a Keenan Allen last week. There's no receiver that is just a playmaker that's, you know, unguardable. He's the one doing the work out there. He actually has seven drop passes, which is second most in the league. He's only the third quarterback ever to throw for 900 over their first three starts. Herbert and Cam Newton. And the only one that doesn't have an interception. He was fantastic against the Blitz last week. 8 of 11 for 130 yards and two touchdowns. They had a kick return touchdown. An 85-yard return by the fullback. 255 pounds, Eric. That is the heaviest player ever with a kick return of at least 50 yeah, yards. That was a little funky play, though. That was like, I know. How it was. More funky. It was uh, funny. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm saying it was it was a funny play, and uh, yeah, I mean their their special teams was good, and I was just impressed overall because I think you and I have gone back and forth on what about is Ryan's a good coach is not this week. I thought they prepared the team very well for a team that was down eight starters, four offensive linemen, and whoever is working with Stroud is doing a really good job with him because he looks very well prepared and and not rattled at all. Yeah, he looks the part, like. For me in this one, I I got this at three, um, two and a half. Eh. Stay away, I'm but three, I'm in. Favorite, three or more, 22, 33, and one. That's 40% ATS. Stroud has looked absolutely lights out. Texans, you know, they're getting healthier, which is going to be huge for them. Pickett looked good, but it's against the Raiders, so how much can you really take that for what it's worth? O-line has some issues. I think Will Anderson and crew is going to be able to get home against Pickett. Um, Steelers have been very, very, very sloppy. You can run on them ever since came Hayward went out. Maybe we see Damian Pierce bounce back. And also, this isn't like a typical game. Like normally when teams play the Steelers, like because the Steelers are so popular, it's like 60-40. Well, J.J. Watt is going in the ring of honor or whatever the hell it's called there. Uh, for Houston. Number, number retired, ring of honor, like whatever. So there's going to be the emotion there, and it's going to be a predominantly Texans-type crowd. I like the Texans here plus the three. I'm just higher on them than the Steelers. The Steelers have some major, major, major issues going on. Their defense is – Brown says, Matt Canada needs to go to Canada. So He does. And the defense is, is – Good where you expect it to be good. I think you can you can hit them in spots. And on offense, yeah, they looked better last week. They're still 30th overall in EPA per dropback. They're in front of the Bears and the Jets. That's it. Those are the only two offensive they've been better than so far. Um, but Watt, Watt's a monster. I mean, he can wreak havoc on anyone. That That's my concern if you play the Texans this week. And I might at plus three is that if they're without four offensive linemen, 
and Watt is just un unblockable. That this could be one of those games where it's like, oh, you know, there's been a lot of Stroud buzz this week, right? Like this could be a Watt sacks him a few times, like welcome to the show, Rook. So that that would be my only concern there, but not with the Steelers outscoring them offensively. This next game can't really get too excited about what I saw from the Saints late with Jameis in that game. Uh, they were up early in the game, 17-0. Carr gets hurt. Then they gained 49 yards on four drives and just two first downs. They did have a drive that goes eight plays, 70 yards. They missed a 46-yard field goal, which actually could have won the game for them. It was actually the largest blown lead since week three of 2012. Offensive line was not good. 33% pass block win rate, 38% pass rush win rate. Guard Ruiz had to leave the game early. That hurt their depth overall. Um, in a game like this, divisional game, and if we're going to get over a field goal, I think Tampa's defensive line could perform well against the Saints' offensive line here. I think Tampa has done enough offensively, and they've shown enough to me through three games where I think their offense might be just as good or better than the Saints has been. Um, so at over a field goal, I would be on the Tampa side here, Eric. Yeah, I took Tampa here, Winston, 8-19-1, ATS is a fave. Um, and what when you rewatch that game for the Bucks on Monday night, in on the first half, look, Evans had some drops, drops. dropped a touchdown. Uh, that game was a little bit closer. Eagles, I think, what was it, got 10 points out of Hertz's turnovers, which was absolutely insane. Um, I just think the Bucks are gonna be able to stop the run. Kamara's coming back. How are, are how is that gonna look? Working him in there, Saints. You can run on them. Bucks have the ninth best DVOA defense versus the pass. I think this is going to lead into some Winston turnovers. So, look, I I like the Bucks here. I played the three and a half. I think I think a sneaky um, person for uh, DFS is Chris Olave. Averages yeah, nine he's been money man during um, what you call it during Winston starts. Um, you know, had a buck 47 last, had nine for a buck 47 last game. Bucks this year, I, the opposing team's number one wide receiver. Brown, nine for 131, more six for 104. Jefferson, nine for 150. I would definitely put a lot in my DFS lineups and probably bet his prop to go over his rushing yards. This next game, Washington at Philadelphia. The Eagles are an eight point favorite. I, I'm going to say little about this game because i just don't want to touch much of it and i'm i'm still pissed off last week eric uh sam howell you and i are playing in a fantasy matchup i have to throw in a quarterback fill-in and like on the waiver wire the guy who's supposed to like who's supposed to get the most projected and just sort of looking at the game shape it's like yeah he's a, a dog against the bills he'll have to be coming from behind to be throwing sam howell got 0.56 and I lost a fantasy matchup to Eric by less than two points. So if Sam Howell gets five, I win that game. He gets 0.56. Uh, it's okay. I don't mind losing to you, buddy. If I have to lose to anyone, but, but he was not good. He got sacked nine times. That's 19 sacks now in three games. He's thrown four interceptions. I mean that right there, they've been sacked 19 times and the Eagles defensive line could just wreak complete havoc on them but i'm not confident enough in the eagles offense they haven't really been moving the ball well through the air they haven't really hit that and the eagles secondary 
you can attack them. So I like I can't get a good enough feel for this. I, I would never be laying it with the Eagles, but I don't feel confident enough to play the commanders at plus the eight. Do you? I want to, but I just can't. I, I just Yeah. I, I want to also. Look. Because they got crushed. Nobody's gonna want to play them after last week, right? Hertz as a favorite at home is nine, two, and one. Hertz is twenty and one in his last twenty-one starts in the regular season. Twenty and, and one. <laughs> yeah. Twelve and five and one ATS against the number at home. Uh, is the O-line going to be able of the commanders to block the Eagles? I don't think so. Are they going to be able to stop the rush? Like, I, this is just this is just a pass for me, even though I really want to take the commanders here. I, do too. I think I'd need 10. That would, ha- that would be the point where I would think there was enough value if it was double digits. But, yeah, I'll stay away from there. Raiders at the Chargers. Man, we have two coaches in this game that – were so inept last week in certain spots. I have no problem. I like, look, I have no problem with Staley going for it. I don't like, either. Right I, I just no have a problem with earlier in the game, him not going for it in, in similar situations. And then last week kicking it on the 40, like that's yeah. my, my is there's no consistency anymore. I think he's finally, I think he was feeling this week that they were down. Oh, two, I think he thought if they lost, he was gone to where he's now going to just say, F it. I'm going to go out doing what I want, what I thought I should have. Because when he came into the league, he was going forward on every fourth down. He was super analytic. And now it's been, and then last year it was like, he overcorrected so much that he was not even going for it when he should have all the time. That made no, that makes no sense to me at all. And, and I, again, like, the play call, maybe get creative. They couldn't run the ball at all. They had 15 carries and 30 yards as a team. So do something a little more creative. Yeah, run you know, like, like a stack like, with a little pick play going or anything. You know, I don't I don't mind the call at all. But man, it's the same stuff for them. Banged up again already. Mike Williams, torn ACL. He's out for the rest of the year. Keenan Allen looked good. That was dude, a monster game in like visibly he was just bouncing all over the place 215 yards 18 catches he also had a 49 yard touchdown pass herbert was 40 for 47 it was the first time ever a quarterback completed 85 plus percent of their passes on 45 plus attempts and it's just the defense, man. They've been miserable. Their pass defense. They're giving up huge explosive plays every week. Week one, Dolphins hit them. 47-yard pass, multiple explosive plays. Week two, Titans, 47-yard pass. This week, Vikings, 53-yard pass. You can't give up a 50-yard play every week. You have to tighten that up a little bit. I don't mean the Tennessee. I mean Titan. How about the Raiders? So they're down by eight. It's fourth and f- uh, They're down by eight with three minutes to go in the game. And it's fourth down and four. They send a field goal team out. They get a penalty on the field goal. So they get an automatic first down and the drive continues. Now it's a minute later. It's fourth and four on the eight yard line. Two minutes and 25 seconds left to go in the game. They send out the field goal team again. Like what the hell is he smoking? How about this? Since the two-point conversion was adopted, 1994, this is the only time 
in history, a team attempted a field goal in the last three minutes of the fourth quarter when they were down by exactly eight points with less than five yards to go for a first down or a touchdown. It has never happened before because anyone, if you've got one play to get four yards, why wouldn't you keep trying to score a touchdown if you've got the ball? It doesn't make any sense. You you don't even know if you're going to get the ball back ever. It's like, and of course, Pittsburgh picks up a first down. So by the time the Raiders get the ball back, they're down by uh, five points and there's 12 seconds left. They have no timeouts and they're on their own 15. Nice talk, not nice clock management there, McDaniels. It just, like, it, unbelievable. I, I was, like, everybody was. And it's funny when that happens and we're all watching it together on social media and everyone's like, what the hell is he doing right now? And I, I mean, because of that, I can't touch this game with a 10-foot pole with these two coaches. I can't ever touch the Chargers laying five and a half. They're going to be way more Raider fans at this game than Charger fans. But Jimmy G has been terrible. He's in concussion protocol. Um, He had three interceptions. He has six interceptions on the year. I don't want anything to do with this game. Um, I'm looking at this. Herbert, you know, just struggles. They're... 13, 17, and one as a favorite, home favorite, 9, 11, and one. JC Jackson, what's going on with his arrest situation? There's some speeding violation um, that a warrant was arrested for him. Chargers still struggle ta- stopping the run. Garoppolo's banged up. We don't know what to do with him. Look, again, I just want nothing to do with this game. I will maybe look at Keenan Allen props, though. Um, yeah, man. Especially is. when Eckler's out, he gets just peppered, man. Well, this is his last 10 games. Targets. 20, 10, 9, 13, 11, 6, 14, 9, 14, 14. And so the 14, need... 14, and 9 are this year, right? Those are the three this no, year. No, no. This year is 20, 10, and 9. With more, who we thought was going to be. And, yeah. and what they're doing, too, is they're down the field more. Because yeah. they're they're taking, not Kellen more, down the field more often. Uh, they're taking advantage of Herbert. Herbert threw like a 25-yard dart across his body like one of the most incredible throws ever it's like unbelievable the arm strength this guy has I, yeah i just I, I we're both staying away from this one but eric i locked in the cardinals plus 14 in this next game like that's to me that's too many points for this cardinals team they could be three and oh they've outscored their opponents by 34 points in the first half of games they're 10th in epa per play on offense they're ninth in EPA per, per rush. They were up in the fourth quarter, 16-10 against Washington. They had a 28-7 lead over the Giants, and they just beat the crap out of the Cowboys. They rushed for 180 yards in the first half. That's the most uh, rushing yards in any half by any team in the NFL this year. Their offensive line was really good. They ended up getting 222 rushing yards, 7.4 yards per carry, the most for Arizona since week six of 2020. Dude, Dobbs was signed two weeks before the season started. And shout out to him, man. That was his first ever win as a starter. I don't know if you saw the video of him on social media where he went to the uh, the merchandise store and they don't have his jersey. Yeah, He can't buy, and he tried yeah. to type it in and it, it wouldn't even do it. He said, come on, I wanted to order it. And I will be critical of people and horses and anything that I bet on. And I'll be critical because I will also praise. I laughed at the videos of Jonathan Gannon where he was talking and trying to rally uh, rally guys up and this and that. And we laughed at him. Dude, this coach has done a great job with this team. Everybody thought they were going to be 
not even competitive in any game. And they are, they have been solid against most metrics. They have been way, way overplaying their talent level. And he's got this team out there prepared and they're doing a really nice job, man. So I want to give him credit. I think this is too big of a number for a team that's been playing feisty so far. But see, this is my counter to that. Okay. Like the Cowboys are the most popular team in the league, right? So everyone's going to notice how the Cardinals just beat them. Is that going to attract more people to bet the Cardinals? Well, my only thing is it doesn't bother me if it's not into the number, right? Like if it's built into the number, that that's my issue is that because San Francisco right now is way more hyped than a Cardinals team. I think people were like, like impressed by what they saw. If this number was nine, I would say that I would say, wow, this is a lot of people that are like giving Arizona way too much credit for the win over that. I thought this, this number last week was 12 against Dallas. And that number was too high. This number shouldn't have been higher than that. Like this number, I like that was way too high. Like I th- and think everybody's still a little off on Arizona and San Francisco's good. I mean, Purdy hasn't been as sharp this year. He's graded quarterback 20 in pro football focus. It's all about the yards after the catch with them. It's not any knock on San Francisco here. To me, I've just been a little bit more impressed with Arizona overall. I, as soon as it got to 14, that was a buy-in point for me. Sounds like you're not really invested in this one, one way no, or the other. I'm looking at the splits right now. Um, 55% of the money, sorry, 55% of the bets is on Arizona, but 60% of the money is on, um, San Francisco. So, you know, it's a little bit, seems like there's more bets, but more money coming on San Francisco. If I'm going to do anything in this game, I'll look to bet Zach Ertz under his, um, his number, just because Fred Warner is the best in the league defending the tight end. But in terms of getting involved in a side here, I just, I mean, after if the cards wouldn't have won, I'd probably be involved. But since they won, and I just I don't want anything to do with this game. Yeah, because for I completely understand what you're saying. I just don't know if it's built into the number at all. Like it, yeah. it, to me, if it were down a little bit, but um, I I completely agree with you. I, I'm never trying to play the teams that feel like they're coming off of like a high value point. But I think San Francisco is just such a high value team in the market. Like everybody is always really all in on the 49ers a couple more games to hit at Eric we'll get through them quickly here Cowboys and Patriots they win the 15th straight time over the Jets do the Patriots Patriots are at the Cowboys excuse me this game is a seven point spread right now man Cowboys come off that bad loss we just talked about to Arizona I actually would like to play Dallas in a, in a spot like set off of such a bad loss but not as a seven point favorite and not as a team where I have to ask questions like you know, how good are they? They beat the Giants against the bad offensive line. They beat the Jets with Zach Wilson. And they got beat up last week in the first time they had any adversity. And now they're missing. They had three offensive linemen out. They just lost Diggs. And so now what ends up happening, Gilmore has to be your number one coverage guy. And he's not that good, Eric. You know? So yeah. it's it's like a bad domino effect for everyone. Like, I, I think the Cowboys are the side. I just wouldn't play it at this big of a number. And See, I took, I took the Patriots. Well, yeah, I, I would take. That's what I mean. I wouldn't take the number. Like as soon as it hits seven, that's too much. I think the Cowboys will play better. I'm just not all that impressed with them overall. My problem is I'm not that impressed with the Patriots either. Offensively, I'm is looking, where I'm worried. I look at 
you know, we talked about before. I look at the world. There's could there could be a world, an alternate universe where the Patriots are three and zero. They start off the game awful against the Eagles, two turnovers, but still were in a position to cover, let alone even win win the game. Then after that, they played the um, Do- Dolphins. Dolphins six six trips, only three in the territory, only three three points, and then they just beat the Jets in a monsoon. So. I think this team could be a little better than the record indicates, but you know what? They lost two games. They easily could have won. Um, I looked at the production of the Cowboys defense when Diggs was on the field versus when Diggs isn't on the field. It's not as good as a defense. Everyone thinks Micah Parsons is the engine that could on this defense. It's actually kind of Diggs. So the defense goes down. Their main issue coming into the year was running the ball. They have given up the, eighth most rushing yards this year which is kind of crazy to me because this is their big weakness they use the high draft pick on um the kid from michigan smith and that just really hasn't hasn't panned out dvoa has them graded 20th against the run i think the patriots are really going to look to run the ball on them the cardinals rushed the rush for 222 yards last week and Zeke got more involved. He had 16 carries for 80 yards. They're a little banged up on both sides of the line now. I think that's what's been concerning me a little bit because the, the offensive line and the defensive line is missing some pieces. And I just I don't know if I've ever just been a Mac a Mac Jones guy. I think in, without three, three they already have three out probably. Yeah. So big number for two teams whose offenses I don't like. And look, it's it's over unders. Uh you know, only 43. So right off the bat, you probably want to take the dog in a situation like that, where low total big spread chiefs jets, Sunday night football. Uh, we may be hearing about Taylor Swift in New York here. This one is almost a 10 point spread. The chiefs on the road, they scored seven straight times last week, four touchdowns from the running backs. They picked on the offensive lineman Taylor. He was the guy on opening night that kept getting penalized or kept um, like should have been getting called for penalties and wasn't. And since then, they've just been picking on this guy two more times. He got penalized for lining up in the backfield. This year, their defense, much better. Uh, better in particular, the passing defense is a top five passing defense. I'm staying away from this game one way or the other. I do think the Jets are at probably their lowest value point right now as the almost 10-point dog at home. It's just the way these teams match up, Kansas City's defense has actually been pretty solid this year. And... Zach Wilson, he just lost all of his confidence. He just, he's not like, you can just, it's its not good. It He's 31st in yards per attempt and 33rd in completion percentage. No depth, no accuracy. Behind him, it's Tim Boyle. And you know the guy who needs to get a little bit of the blame on this too, Eric? It's our guy Hackett. It's the offensive coordinator, Hackett, who was so miserable with the Broncos last year. Now it's Hackett and Zach Wilson together. I want to take the Jets badly. I think I'd need 10 to dive in because, man, they just... I kind of want to take the Jets here, but I really think, look, if I... My thought process is this. I got to see how the how the day goes. If this it's gets to and the public gets killed, we're going to get a little inflation here. Uh, home this dog is gonna, let me say this. More. This is getting to 10. This is that Taylor yeah. Swift money now. Home, home dog this is going to get there. On Sunday night, 62.5%. Mahomes, seven or more on the road, 
this is a lot of points. Jets defense is good. They're I mean, this very is, good. This is a good defense. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, you I need, you need a big though. spread with Wilson. That's the thing. You need the double digits yeah. there at home because man, the guy, poor guy just looks, this looks shell shocked out there. Final game, Monday night football. We go Seattle at the Giants. Uh, Giants, slight favorite in this one. It's basically a pick em. Seattle, they've uh, bounced back the last two weeks pretty nicely. Offensively, they've looked pretty good, and they were running the ball a little bit better. For the Giants, they are depleted by injuries. They were down four starters last year, uh, last week. I got to say, I and they were without Barkley. Still a little disappointed because I like their coaching staff so much that they haven't been competitive against a couple of the better teams. They have played two of the better defenses, though, so far. And now the game against Arizona, if Arizona isn't as bad as we all thought, maybe it doesn't look as bad as as we thought when they were down early there. Do you have a strong opinion on the Monday Night Football game one way or the other? I'll probably end up in New York. Um, yeah, I, really I think I'm on that side, too. I really don't think I have any any rhyme or reason for it. But I think I, um, you know, I think I'll end up in New York. I, mean, I think that, with the few extra days kind off, of like my thing, few extra days off, because they had a uh, short week after Barkley got hurt, and they didn't have a whole lot of time to maybe, hey, let's use Waller, let's use Hyatt, let's find a way to use some of these guys. Now they got a few extra days. I trust their coaching staff. I think they're going to be better than they showed the first couple weeks. Yeah, and you know, Dable is historically good. Um, I don't know this. This, I know the Seattle team won, but I just don't like them that much. I know, me either. Um, I don't like them. I'm kind of trying to look at it right now in terms of, like, days in between games. What is this, 11 days? Yeah, since Thursday when they played San Fran. Teams with 11 days rest that are home, that are, home are 13 and 13 11 ATS. So... So, I mean, there's nothing really. Um, I'll look straight up real quick. Go ahead, sir. Uh, Eric, as you look that up, for us, it looks like this week, we've got the Bills, the Texans, the Buccaneers as three that we liked. Uh, the other two I think we probably will lock in would be the Giants here. We could lock in as our fifth one. We need one more. It would either be – I'm okay with Patriots. We could go Patriots plus seven for the other one. Yeah, I'm okay All with right, that. Cool. Yeah, so that'll be our five this week. Remember, folks, Eric and I will uh, be hanging out on Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern time for the winning ticket on DRF Sportsbook. Follow Eric on Twitter, etof 21 and check out all of his great stuff, etof 21 Sports. You can find out where podcasts come out later this week, anytime he has live streams that come out uh, for the football games and talking a lot of college. He had his podcast last night that came out. And then Sunday, we'll have even more information and preview all of these games on Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Anything else you need to plug or mention before we get out of here, buddy? Uh, no, let's make some money. Let's cash some tickets. And let's, uh, you know, try to make it another good week, my man. Good luck, everyone out there. And uh, we always thank Eric for all the hard work and hanging out with us. We'll be back next week to preview all of these. But we'll hopefully see a lot of you on Friday for the winning ticket at DRF Sportsbook. racing fans many of us have been using the 
DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version, and even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view, and any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering, multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Download the Stable Duel app and play today. You can check out that schedule every week at StableDuel.com. There will be lots of Santa Anita coming up. Lots of Keeneland opening up next week. Yeah, Keeneland opens up. And we'll get to Santa Anita in just a moment. But first, let's hit that Woodbine early pick five for Friday. So Friday Woodbine pick five starts in race number two. Remember, Thursday, Friday, the pick fives always have that $50,000 early guaranteed pool. And then on Saturday, Sunday, that pool bumps up to 100000 Early pick five always starts in race number two. I'm going to look at the number three long pond in here. I'm going to go seven furlongs on the turf course. This is going to be the third start of the form cycle for long pond. And this is a horse who actually has some really nice form on the turf previously. Most recently has been on the synthetic and has been running well. Now third start of the form cycle back to the turf. Some kind of nice tactical running style for long pond using along with the five 
and the four reloads Revel, trying to turf for the first time. The five's going to go second off the bench. Mount Logan, also a major player in there. So I've got the three on top of five, four, and six, depending on how deep you want to go in your early pick fives there over at Woodbine. In race number three, second leg of the sequence, Milan 16th on the synthetic. I thought the five Julie's missed was interesting. If she wants to go, she can be one of the quicker in here. She ran well on synthetic versus straight maiden special weights, and I think she fits with this group. The one, Pat's Gamble, would be my other one. I mean, if you just toss the plate trial, he's an obvious player. So the Philly, Julie's missed. I'm going to use along with the one, Pat's Gamble, those two. If you wanted to go a little deeper, the next tier of horses for me would be the seven, Proud Ronin, and the four, Good Luck Mate, who was uh, involved a lot more early on last time out, so did show some improvement there. So that was race number three. We can move to race number four. This was a... Something I don't do often, but this is just a chalk single for me with Dursky, who chased a next out winner, Desolator, last time out. He is a four-time winner, is Dursky. He's been facing better. He fits the conditions well. He only has five races since his last win. They've all been against tougher. He'll go second start off the seven-month uh, month break. And he just moved well from the back of the pack. He was up the inside. He had some late traffic trouble. And I think... This one is the horse to beat in here. So I'm not even going to get cute. We'll just single the chalk, which is something I don't do all that often. In race number five, a couple that we'll be using. The number eight is the one I will start with. That is Lois Len. Had the tap on the brakes inside in her most recent race. She was third. She was within two, traveling well. And then she got pinned in with no room. And she was looking for a seam. She couldn't find one. She had to alter course a few times and she got steadied out of a spot. And that was on the turf. And she's actually been better on the synthetic where she shifts in this spot. The three, Cephalo is proven at six and a half. You've got other logicals like the seven and the six, Hatmaker Holiday and Pino in a purse. I stacked him eight, three, seven, six. I thought the sixth race to close it out was kind of difficult. You had some real logicals in here that I had a hard time getting rid of. The seven, Bongino, steps up. Honest, this guy's got some upside. He was close up in his last start, sitting about fourth early on, just behind the leaders. He was traveling well, but he had no room at the top of the lane. He was loaded. He was looking for room. Tried two different seams. He finally gets through. He takes the lead, and he just got nailed late. So uh, I think he's continuing to improve. I like the number seven, Bon Gino. The number five, Langstaff Rhodes in the mix for me too. Hasn't done a whole lot wrong. Treasure King sort of looking for where he fits, getting some class relief. Seven, five, six. You want to go a little bit deeper. Others that I looked at would be the 10, Exalt, and the two, Diosa Katrina. It's a look at the Friday Pick 5 at Woodbine. Remember, it's a $50,000 guaranteed Pick 5 pool, and you can play those Pick 5s at Woodbine for just the 20-cent-based wager. Good luck on Friday. Up next, we move to Santa Anita for opening day. We will have coverage of Santa Anita every single day that they are racing with some best bets. Don't forget about those Pick'em contests. They are back, free to enter every Saturday, every Sunday. Combination of sports prop questions and questions about the racing card at Santa Anita. And they do not cost you a cent to enter. Winners paid out in cash each and every time. 
Check them out, pick'em.sananita.com. Follow me on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. There'll be more information about those each and every week. Now let's get to Santa Anita for Friday. I'm going to look at races 1, 2, 7, and 9 with horses that are on my radar. And we start in the first race, $32,000 claimers going six furlongs on the turf course here. I like the three, Jam and Eddie. You could sit a really nice trip in here. If you look at his form overall, he's been very consistent and pretty solid on the grass. He's actually had the turf as his best surface. The last two times he was on the turf, he ran into next out winners. He ran really well in those races in very comparable spots to this against 25 and then 32 claimers. And he had legitimate trouble in both of those races. He could have finished better. Since then, we've seen him on the dirt. He's been running fine. He has a nice tactical style. He has some speed, but he can sit off. I think in this particular race, I'd love to see him sitting third based on some of the other horses in here. I think the one horse is really quick, and they're going to go. I think the outside runner, Westwood Look, is also pretty quick and should be right there early. I'd love to see Jam and Eddie sitting right behind those. He's going to go first start off the claim for the uh, barn, the Barasio barn, who's 6 for 20 over the last five years. It's 30% with a $4.30 ROI. Over the last year, 4 for 12. And 10 of the 12 horses have finished in the money. And some of those wins, nice prices, 5 to 1, 5 to 1, and 15 to 1 for three of those four winners. The one horse uh, in, in the first race, excuse me, the number three, Jam and Eddie, who is 6 to 1 on the morning line. We need anything around 4 to make a win wager there. Let's move right next door to race number two. Just a small field, but if you are playing any type of early pick fives or early exotics, the five could sit a really nice trip in here. Christie's Tiger. She's a mare who likes to win races. She may not be as good overall, or maybe she doesn't have as much upside as some of the others down on the inside of her who are more lightly raced, but she can sit off and pass horses and now she's cutting back to a tricky six and a half furlong distance i could see poetica being forced from the rail to show a little speed you got american lily who wants to be close up essential business doesn't want to be too far out of it and she's resilient is really fast so i'm hoping christie's tiger sits a nice trip in here at you know four to one Seventh race is where we will head next we will jump on the turf going a mile 32,000 non-winners of two claimers I thought the eight Bear Mountain, a little bit interesting. This is a three-year-old who, his his form overall makes sense to me. So what I mean by that, I look at all of his races and in his debut, he was sprinting, he hooked a really nice horse that came back to win. He was off slow, so he just didn't fire. Then when they stretched him out, he improved a ton. He ran really, really well, and he won at 44-1 to at Del Mar, breaking his maiden. He was off for an entire year and he showed back up in just a couple tough spots that's really all it was he was facing first level allowance company optional 80s then the he was in an optional 40 first level allowance following that and he just didn't get involved he was wide at the back of the pack um he tried to get involved widest of all he was just too tough the blinks come on. I think they'll get him involved a little bit more in this race. And you, you just sort of look at the races he exits. They went pretty fast early in those races. So hopefully in here, he may be able to keep up a little bit better with this group. Blinks coming on. Third off the long layoff. Dropping in class. The number eight, Bear Mountain, is 12-1 to 1 
on the morning line. If we can get anything in the you know above six range, I think that's fair value. And then moving to the ninth, the closeout race on opening day at Santa Anita, the one crypto man, he will be making his third start off the long, long layoff. His last two races are both very good since he dropped in class and he's been facing maiden claimers. And the race I want to talk a little bit about is August the 26th, when early in that race, he was sitting about five lengths off. He was in the fifth, sixth position. He was in the two path and he made a three wide, big move. He was five wide at the top of the lane. He was all the way up to within a length, and then he flattened out a little bit. He didn't get the right timed kind of trip. That's sort of what it comes down to sometimes on the turf, right? You uh, Sometimes you're bottled up and you're forced to move early or you uh, you move early, and it's just sort of the, right t- the wrong timing. I think he fits really, really well like with this level, and at the ra- on the rail, he should be able to save all the ground and come running Crypto Man, 6-1 to one on the morning line. 7-2 to two is the value line for me. Anything above that will be fine. Let's head on over now to Saturday. Let's talk about Saturday Woodbine, early pick five, and then we'll get into Saturday Santa Anita with Barry Spears. Let's jump on over to September the 30th for Woodbine. We'll go to race number two. And we will take a look at that early pick five, $100,000 guarantee pick five on Saturdays and on Sundays. Sunday is the third jewel of the Canadian OLG Triple Crown, uh, the uh, the Breeders. We'll talk about that. We'll probably have a video for Sunday at Woodbine. So we get into race number two. Like me Corazon a little bit who comes in from Colonial. A couple solid races there just sitting off the pace a little bit, going five furlongs. Now we'll have to stretch out a little bit to seven and a half, but uh, I think this one has some nice upside. And overall, if you just eliminate the debut race, you have a pretty strong form. The seven, Trizzle Trazzle, major player off the runner-up effort last time out. Now that was back in July, but really does fit off that race. Sweet Nola has some upside. I think she's a little bit interesting in here. The three Ashley's ring would also be in the mix. I would look at those four to include in your pick fives. Now in race number three at Woodbine, the five coach Abernathy has a really strong race going seven furlongs at this level, or actually against better way back in May in has been trying better here and there. When we saw Coach Abernathy at this level in September on the September uh, the eighth race, Coach Abernathy was a good third. I just think this level fits well, and the sprint shouldn't be an issue. I think he will come running, Coach Abernathy. I felt like the eight was the horse to beat in here, so I'll likely just use the two of them. Five and eight, Triggers Bay, who has some good speed from the outside, should be in the mix throughout. So those two, five and eight in the third at Woodbine. Fourth race. I'm looking at the number two in here. This one, Bodica, has a, a win at Woodbine last year. And following that, went over to Tampa and Keeneland and was just facing better. And now back at Woodbine the last couple of races. But again, one of them was before a bit of a layoff. And the next one came after a few months off. Was wide chasing lone speed. She's better than what she's been able to show lately. There's just a better race in in there. Um, I'm using her in all exotics. Both the five and eight are in the mix for me. I think Motown Mayhem, just coming out of some you know races at Gulfstream, 
Churchill and Ellis should run really well here. The five, she makes a point also in the mix for me. Moving to the fifth race at Woodbine, it's a maiden special going six on the turf. But the three, UB the judge. The blinkers come off. Tried stakes company last time out, but in the debut, it was a really solid third. And actually, the turf pedigree is nice. There are six winning turf siblings. I think nine of the siblings tried turf, and the ones that didn't win on it, win on it, only raced on it once. So lots of good turf success. There was a sibling that was a stakes winner that this guy's a half to, this gal. Onella for Kevin Attard is a major player. The seven blitz coming in from Ellis. Blinkers on the Cassie Barn has not been as good with first timers throughout the meet. They've been a lot better with horses making their second start. I think this horse may fly a little under the radar getting Lasix, the blinks, and making the second career start. So race number five looks like three, six, and seven for me. As we move to the sixth race, it's the closeout race of that early pick five sequence. The seven, Liam's Gift, comes off of a nice win, and and she just got upside. That was her first start on the turf. feel like she could sit close in here, and while she's lightly raced, the horse who I have underneath is the total opposite. Right next door, Rosebud's Hope, a 44 race eight uh, year old mare who's won 12 of them finished second 11 times and nine third times always shows up and fights hard seven six both the three and the four are obvious contenders in here i just had them slightly below uh, the three is a multiple winner who's really consistent as of late and the nijon factor showed good speed last time and should be in the mix throughout again in here seven six three four a look at the $100,000 guaranteed early pick five on Saturday, September 30th over at Woodbine. Let's move to Santa Anita for Saturday. Barry Spears joins me. There are four graded stakes races on the card. A lot of horses that will try to use a prep race this weekend to head to the Breeders' Cup. Ne- uh, actually, not next month yet. It's uh, it's November, so we're, we're five weeks or so, six weeks, five and a half or so away. For the Breeders' Cup, a lot of horses have big races coming up this weekend. Barry Spears joins me to get into races 6 through 10 for Saturday, Santa Anita. Time to talk some Saturday horse racing. It is opening weekend at Santa Anita. This Santa Anita meet is a real fun one because it's the short Santa Anita meet that opens on Friday, September the 29th, and it runs through Breeders' Cup weekend with the Breeders' Cup actually being at Santa Anita this year. And in this meet, you get those last round of prep races for the Breeders' Cup. We're going to talk about a lot of them coming up this Saturday at Santa Anita. I've got my partner in crime, my main man, the sniper, Barry Spears, joining me to talk about Santa Anita and opening weekend there. How you doing, buddy? Hey, my man. So excited for the Santa Anita meet because, A, 
this first day or the, the first weekend, this Saturday card is amazing. Excellent. And then it brings us right into the Breeders' Cup, and I can't wait, man. And I got to give credit to Santa Anita because we will be critical when it needs be. The last few years, they have had some days, big, big stakes races, really small fields, really chalky days. The last year or so, from Santa Anita to Del Mar, their big days have all really delivered. We've gotten big fields and really good betting opportunities. And so credit to Santa Anita, credit to Southern California, because when things were not going well, they it was highly publicized for a lot of reasons, and it should have been. And now things are going a little bit better out here overall with field sizes, with um, the track safety. Well, we, we didn't have a whole lot of issues with horses um, getting injured or going down over the summer at Del Mar. So, hey, we'll be critical when it's time to be critical, but – as a better and as a fan of racing, I was really proud and impressed with what Southern California has been doing over the last year or so. Yeah, you, you know, they definitely have done some things behind the scenes to kind of improve the product a little bit. And, and it's working out. And hopefully they can keep that momentum going and, and bring us right into the Breeders' Cup. And boom, the world will be watching. <laughs> we'll be there within the next five weeks or so. Uh, we encourage all of you. You can follow along and you can look at the daily racing form past performance of uh, daily racing form past performances. You can get them for free because one of the gripes that we all have as horse players, if we're betting the races, we really don't want to spend a whole bunch of money on past performances. So DRF bets lets you do that. Now, when you sign up for a DRF bets account, every time you bet 50 bucks, they give you credit for a free past performance. So Every time you're wagering, you, you wager a couple hundred bucks on a day, boom, you've got four of them already set up for next time you need to go get a card. So again, it's not a perfect system, but it's better than a lot of other options. And you can go right now to DRF Bets, use that promo code winning, and right off the bat, they're going to give you 10 free DRF pass performances. So we we want to make sure we've got our money to bet on the races, right, Barry? We don't want to yeah, be spending yeah. and going and emptying that wallet before we even play um so saturday we will be looking at races six through ten it's the late pick five sequence i don't love that santa anita has the later pick five with the high takeout and the earlier one with the lower takeout so i always just mention that in case but we'll talk about this sequence because four of the five races are graded stakes races and it's a good betting sequence however you want to approach it i always try to tackle the uh the lower takeout wagers if possible this is a, a prep race, Barry, the sixth race, the grade two Santa Anita championship, the sprint championship stakes, Breeders' Cup sprint prep. So we'll see a couple of these horses show up in the Breeders' Cup sprint, which is going to be right here over this track. So this is a nice look at some of these runners. We got to start with Dr. Chevelle, who was your runner up in the Breeders' Cup two years ago in 2021. He was beaten just a nose that day. Aloha West came to nailed him late. He's the favorite on the morning line. He's capable of a lot when he's, you know, shows up with a good effort. He definitely has, has had some, a lot of physical issues through the years. He's had lots of like layoffs and interruptions, but when he shows up and he puts forth a good effort, like he's a very nice horse. Mm, definitely. Uh, you know, it, it, it was strange because I was, I wanted to write him off after after his met mile um, Me too. and he and he kind of came back in the uh bing crosby and ran really really well just didn't kind of set up for him the way you know you would it was, think it was sort of a different trip for him right it yeah was, he was because like he was way, way outside back. 
yeah. and 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 far back and I you know I, I really don't know what to make of that effort to be honest. No. But if he runs anywhere close to what he did in Maidan, he'll win this race. Um, I just think there's a this is such an interesting race. And, and I think there's a lot of speed in here. And I think it's the, the pace is gonna get hot. Yep. Um, it's like what do you do with Speedboat Beach in this I situation? I he mean no, the horse no, clearly has run his fastest race on dirt. And only one way to go, I think. Like he doesn't really want right. to sit. They want they just want to go with him. He's drawn towards the outside. And it makes these races difficult with when you have, you know, a couple of the Baffert horses that are the speed horses too, that could really dictate the race because if speedboat beach goes and let's say, you know, the, the three Arabian lion is fine. Taking back a couple lengths. Could the, could speedboat beach just sneak away? I I don't know how, I mean, who it's, it's interesting when he can dictate it with a couple of these horses who are some of the others in here who you're kind of liking, or how are you seeing this race shape up? If you're playing a, if you're playing a pick five or late exotics, give us a few who are uh, in the mix for you. Uh, well, you know how I feel about Fort Bragg, and I yeah. think this race sets up for this horse very, I very agree. well. Um, you know, I, I can forgive that effort in the in the mud um, at Saratoga. Probably wasn't his bag. Gets actually uh, such a better setup on Saturday and I love the work on uh on September 23rd and I think that was in company with Speedboat Beach um but it just looks like this race is going to set up so well for Fort Bragg and and the other horse that kind of caught my eye was the 9 Spirit of Machina yeah I think you know 3 for 3 at Santa Anita has to count for something and so I think you know, off the bench, I think this horse really was not prepared to run that day uh, in, at Del Mar on July well, He 29th. wasn't at the start, right? Like, yeah. he didn't get out of the gate. And then it was that big <clears throat> field that Bing Crosby was such a tough field. And he got really shuffled tough. and stuff. It was a brutal trip. We can eliminate brutal. that. And then last time, he looms up. Looks like he's going to go on and win easy. And then it just like the seven furlongs just sort of right. hits him. Like, and to me, it's... Stopped. Yeah, and it seems like he needed that race yeah. even more than the first race. I mean, he didn't really get anything out of the first race. No, no, you're right. He, he didn't really do much running at all and, and kind of threw, threw in the towel. But the, the next race, the one on uh, the Pat O'Brien, was a much improved race. Probably not even his best, you know, it was weird. He kind of went inside, then outside. It was a strange trip, and, and I'm willing to forgive that. And I think being three for three at Santa Anita, getting back there, will make all the difference and, and probably rates to be okay as far as trip wise, because the speeds inside and, and can clock them and, and kind of take over at the top of the stretch if he's going to make a winning bid. But I, I really do like Fort Bragg here more than anybody else. Uh, those the two that we, <clears throat> the first three we mentioned would be if you're, if I'm playing multi exotics, uh, I would need the four and the nine on my ticket as price sort of middle tier horses. I do mm. think Dr. Chevelle's the horse to beat in here. Like if he were to show up with his a game, oh, I don't yeah. think, I think he's better. The horse who I don't know what to do with is Arabian lion. Um, Cause what's he, he going to do? I mean, right. Yeah. Like is he, he going to go head and head with the stable mate? But I don't yeah. think that's where like his best races are when he's really let loose. And honestly, I start looking back through his form now and I don't know. When he wins, who's the best horse he's beaten in a race he's won? 
Well, I guess Drew's you could goal. say Drew's Gilmore. goal, but he's not that great. You know, like those Drew's gold, well, like um, ta- they like, wouldn't look, be you know, favored in this race. They wouldn't even be that. And that's you know, my, they, yeah, that's one of the things I'm looking at. He's not beaten a whole lot, even in the last race, for example, right? The jerkins, <laughs> which we can completely excuse it for him and for Fort Bragg. If I'm not using that as his only race because it's a sloppy race, maybe they didn't like it that day. But he ran third. Remember, it was actually fourth. Mm-hmm. Yes, they that's weren't right. going to win that race. That was the race that New York uh, Thunder was going to win. That's and right. Went wrong. So it looks even like a better finish on paper when he wasn't going to finish third. He was going to be fourth, well beaten. Um, so yeah, I'm. I guess I'm a little cold. It's not, it kind of sounds like you are too. We just don't know what to do with him at a short price in here. I prefer Fort Bragg, who's probably going to be double his price. Yeah, and and you know honestly, I don't think this trip or this distance is his best distance anyway. Um, so to me, this might be a little bit of a yeah. I think he's kind of a miler, like maybe like a yeah. Speed that's miler, what I think. You know, that's like that's where I thought miler. he was going to show up at, at Breeders' Cup time. Yeah, I wouldn't think he's going to show up in the sprint. And maybe um, he will show up there, and they're using this to get there because you don't have right. as many. There aren't like dirt mile preps all all over. You know what I mean? You usually have to pick a six or seven for a long race or go a little longer. So maybe maybe they're doing that to sharpen up the speed and then in the yeah. dirt mile let him loose. That would make sense to me more right. than even trying to win this race. He could like sit right behind some of the other speed, sharpen that speed up and go. Um, yeah, that's what I I was thinking because you know he really isn't a six for a long horse i mean he broke his maiden at six that's just when he's but, better though right, right? exactly yeah. he was just faster than than the horses he was running against um i i'm just not convinced he's a sprinter and yeah. that might play into this a little bit because you know you see his running lines and he has a lot of pace early but he was going longer probably won't he- be on the pace on saturday at least on the lead, I, I guess he no. could be, yeah. but I don't think it, that's what they're going to try to do. Me neither. Cause I don't, I don't know why speedboat beach would be in this race. Right. That, if they that, were going to do that, just don't put this horse in the race and let Arabian lion go and let loose. But speedboat beach wouldn't make sense trying to have him come from off the pace with all of his natural speed as it is. So, right. And that's why I'm looking for alternatives. <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted, I liked Sir Atticus in his last start and it was a little disappointing because the Pat O'Brien wasn't nearly as strong as the Bing Crosby was. That was a much tougher race. And I think this race is a little tough too with, you know, with both Arabian Lion, uh, Spirit of Machina back in here again. And, you know, the possibility of, you know, Fort Bragg running a big race in here. Like those are all horses who I think make it a little tougher. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Sir Atticus run better than last time. Like he was trending in a nice direction. His mm. two wins were really good and not exactly sure. Maybe it was a little too much. It wasn't like it was a bad race, but he kind of just loomed up and was just super flat. Yeah. I, I think a lot of those trips happened that day. Um, yeah, you're right. They're a little flat. And it was a little weird um, the way the, the track was playing, um, but we'll see. I, I think the horses coming out of that race will probably run well, like the yeah. nine, and and possibly, <clears throat> it, it, this is a really tough race. I, I think I was cool, going to go out on a limb and say this might be the best race we'll see before the Breeders' Cup. From a contentious like prep yeah. race, you compare this to some of the other prep races we see at different places, and man, it's so refreshing to have 
some legitimate, legitimate horses, contenders, and then also a good field, a good size field. When we're getting all of that right off the bat in the first graded stakes race on Saturday at Santa Anita, let's move the seventh race six and a half on the turf, but it's the straight six and a half. We're not coming down the hill. These are Calbred maiden special weights. These are two-year-old fillies in here sprinting on the turf. A couple that were on my radar, Barry, uh, Asada fries. The debut was very solid when finishing fourth was only beaten the length and three quarters that day. It really got going late. And then last time you can either, take a look at the race or even just look at the, um, the chart just chased a lone speed winner. So there was a race where she just didn't really have much pace to run at. Um, I think it's a nice spot for her. Uh, the two that I wanted to mention to start were right next to each other, the four and the five, um, kids, Katie kids, Katie went long last time out and was kind of pushed in at the start. Um, didn't have a whole lot of room was shuffled. And if, if you look at the running line, it just says rough trip, you know? So, you know, when you see that roughed up, <laughs> you usually, it was, uh, what was the, the meme that you posted yesterday? Right. And it says, uh, oh, off, DRF slowly. Comment to, <laughs> off slowly and they fall over on their face. Like this is rough trip was basically what happened here for kids. Katie. Those were two that I wanted to mention, Barry, that are going to be on my radar here. Talk to us about how you saw the seventh race. Yeah, this is another tough contentious race with these young two-year-old fillies. Um, one horse that caught my eye was Annie Fox. Yep. Um, I, I think she showed a real turn of foot early last time. Love the cutback. Yes. And and I think the cutback will do this one a lot of good good price. Uh, the, the workout on, on September 14th has this one sharp, ready to go. Um, <clears throat> the other one who I really, really think is interesting here is the 10. Look at her glide. Um, the damn... Absolutely. Gliding by was a pretty good turf horse. Yep. She won um, her debut also um, at Woodbine going long on the turf. Look at, look at that move. You know, the dam went from dead last and just inhaled the field. And in her second start, she was in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies turf. Exactly. Um, I, I think this one merits a big shot. I mean, you, the workouts Completely are real agree. steady and, and, kind of moving in the right direction after that first kind of spin around the track step slow is the comment inside evenly. That's, that's exactly what you see from a horse that is just basically getting a run in before they really go go after it. Yep. And I, and I think 12 to one, I got it. I got to take a shot. Absolutely. With the blinkers coming on there. One that I looked at initially uh, the dam of this horse, just enough appeal was good on the mm, grass and yes. was classy. Um, so this one has a little pedigree that's intriguing to me. Um, the only thing is, is it, it has to be mentioned there. You see some of the turf success here, multiple winner on the turf. And even this horse who was over 10 did hit the board and uh, was stakes placed. But the, the concern I had was mainly um, D'Amato's recent success with first time starters, which you can mm. pull up hasn't been all that great. Um, like the last, like we can look over first time starters. So this is the last five years, 10%. So for D'Amato, who's usually like a 15 to 20% barn already, not necessarily a strength. Then when you go and you can look at the last one year time frame instead of five years, all of these features you can do with the DRF formulator past performances, just one for 29 uh, over the last year. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, it's no bueno. <laughs> you know, and um, so if you think about a lot of instances, and what's crazy is the one that won uh, that was ended up being a, a, a victor was at twenty five to one. So they almost got all the way back to the positive <laughs> just on that one horse winning. But imagine how many people or how many times you may have lost money playing on like a D'Amato first time starter that, hey, you know, like probably was, oh, you know, you think it's good barn, logical, but for some reason they've just done a lot better with horses with a couple races under their belt. So um, thought that was worth mentioning. And then one other note, the two does come out of an open race. <clears throat> Um, so they thought enough of this filly to debut her against Open Company. Uh, Michael McCarthy has had a lot of success in the last couple of years, even more with first-time starters. But with he used to be awesome with the second-timers. Now he's even better with the firsters, so there's not as much of a difference between first out to second out. But very good still with young horses. And this will be an easier spot for her. Um, so, you know, she had a tough start at the beginning of a five for a long race against better in a race when you're 25 to one and you need everything to go right for you to probably win. So tough to be too hard on her for that. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah, she yeah, could absolutely yeah. improve it. Again, we mentioned a, a race where we go through six or seven horses, just fantastic yeah. fields. The, like the two really is definitely a big contender here. Um, you know, I, I appreciate the jock switch too. Yep. Um, not that anything against Gio Franco because he's he's good, um, but yeah. it seems like they switched because Rispoli is is probably more adept on the turf exactly and, and has a better feel for it, and that may be the case here. Uh, eight to one on a horse that kind of got in a little bit of trouble, mm -hmm. took a spin around the track, stretching out just a little bit. That one is from a good barn too. That does yep. that do well with these types. I, you know, you can't discount that one at all. If you're playing a pick four or pick five, these are the types of horses you're looking for. These oh, yeah. six, eight to one shots that are going to get a lot of separation for you and that are going to inflate your pool. So, well, uh, things that, that I don't think get talked about a much, uh, you know, as much as it should is when you're playing or, you know, you attack a sequence like this um, with a pick five, you, you kind of want to limit the amount of favorites you want to use in the sequence. You don't even, there's got to be two races in every sequence where you make that decision right away. I mm -hmm. mean, at, at least one in every sequence where you're like, this is just the race I'm taking a stand because you don't even want to, I don't even want to construct a ticket anymore where it will hit and lose money. Yeah, Why do I do that? It's not, it, it'll happen occasionally when you just, you, you, there was a few possibilities and it, of course, scratched and all of a sudden, you know, it'll happen, but you don't want to put yourself in a situation where half of your combinations, you don't even know if you're going to make money on them. Right. Exactly. And I think that's what gets find, missed a lot. Yeah. Find uh, a I different mean, way to play. If that's how you feel, you have to play a pick four or pick five. Don't play them. Right. Play yeah. I mean, the way, the way I see it is, you know, if I'm conceding payoffs, that's that's what I say. Yes, you know, when I do that is conceding a, a lower payoff. So I'm not going to use those combinations. It's it's that simple. And yep. if you leave them out and you happen to get a break here or there, then you're going to see those those profits go up because you're you're eliminating those terrible, you know, those terrible payoffs. And that's the point because you know you see people hit. These three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand dollar hits, 
That's why, because they're including those horses that people don't have. Yep. And not the, the ones that everybody approach. does have. Right. Like and those are the horses that aren't going to give there. You're going to win more often, but lose more money. That's like, correct. So that, and that's, what's a hard thing for us sometimes for a lot of people to not cash as many it's, tickets, it's right? Tough. Yeah. It's tough. You got to do, you got, it's like, you got to trick yourself into thinking that way <laughs> because once it's hard, because once you start, you start and the first thing you're sort of taught right away, or like when you're a kid growing up or even 20 or 30 years ago, where maybe the common perception of gambling wasn't, wasn't quite as sharp, right? Like mm. the common person now is a little sharper probably than 30 years ago, just on the, on the, the base. And you, you gotta, gotta give yourself every opportunity to make, you know, the, the most money you possibly can. And when you're right. adding horses, you don't like, and you don't feel like you need just because you're scared, you're wasting money. You're losing money. Right, right, right up right there, you know. Yep. And I think that's the thing is people, you know, psychologically get the oh well, I'm not gonna hit this bet. Um dude, and I've done it, you've done it, we've all done oh, it. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm not acting like I'm not that's like standing up on the on the ledge, like <laughs> screaming down to you. I will still do it sometimes and then I look back after yeah, and I'll yeah, try that... to see where did I make a mistake there? Did I do anything wrong on that ticket? And yep. You know what? I didn't need that horse. I got scared. I like talked myself into it. I looked at somebody else that sort of, you know, that's what you do. And you, and as a, you know, you do it the next day or two, not when you're all pissed off still, right? <laughs> you let it, you let it go for a day or two. And then you'll have more of a clear head when you come back and look at it and you can, you can really see what went down. But, yeah, uh, it's that clarity. <laughs> give my, give my guy, Mike Joyce, a shout out. And this was just one thing he would say on TV sometimes to me. And it's like a really simple thing. I'm not like, I, I love Mike Joyce. I'm not acting like he rewrote, he, he's like written the most <laughs> elaborate thing in the world here. But all he would say was just think about how much time you spend handicapping and then how much time you spend putting your tickets together. Oh, right? I'm not, I always and, say this. I preach this all the time. I know, spend way more time constructing tickets than I do handicapping. Exactly. And that's the thing. If you are someone who handicaps a lot and you're not spending even a fraction of that time building your tickets, mapping one out, looking at it. How much is that? Nah, that's too much. How much is the next one? Okay. It gets nerve. It's scary sometimes because you're adding horses on there and you may cross ones, but that's what you got. That's what you have to do. Here's right. two different tickets. This one, I'm going to do this. I'm going to single that horse. I really like then on this next one, I'm going to single the other horse that I really like that way. If either one of those horses hits, I probably hit one of the, you know, and, um, and that was what one thing Mike would, would always remind me and people when we were there, Hey, just spend a few minutes mapping out your tickets, whatever it is, take a few extra minutes to put it together. And I like to remind people to do that because it's, it's a simple thing, but if you, you get handicapping, you get it all done and then you just sort of get up to the window sometimes and you kind of forget, yeah, oh, I, I know who out. <laughs> you know, I, I know who I like. And then you start going through the fields and you forget. And that was our, uh, gambling little bit of a tangent for uh for today as we uh, move on to race number eight my friend we're going to the awesome again mile and an eighth for older horses here and we will see your preakness winner national treasure he's going to show up we're also going to see defunded for trainer bob baffer and defunded's kind of tailed off in his last few uh slow down andy has become very consistent he's run a string of like five or six races and you know five of them have been good out of the six just sort of one poor performance and and after those the rest of the field is 
kind of a wild card, right? Like those are your <laughs> yeah. major contenders. And it's not even like I, any one of them is a cinch. Defunded's not in great form. National Treasure is going to have to face older for the first time coming off of a couple lackluster efforts. And we've got uh, Slow Down Andy, who I like, and I think he's honest, and I think he will want, run well, but he's run well in four of his last five races, and he didn't win any of those four. He hit the board in all of them, in, in those four, but he didn't win any of them. <laughs> so um, there's no cinch, no standout here. Even the shorter prices, you can really dig some holes in them and, and knock a little bit. So uh, talk to us about how you see this one playing out. Yeah, I mean, at first, you know, I had usually I go through a race three to four times. First run through, I looked at this race and I thought, you know, maybe these Baffert horses can get beat. Second time through, no chance. <laughs> They've been keeping way better company than than what's in this field between the two of them. And I'm not sure which one is going to be cranked up, but one of them is that, definitely going to be cranked up. Um, and, and win this race because they've been just keeping way better company. And I would say it probably is national treasure. I, I leave him seen a lot over the of efforts. defunded. Yeah. We've seen a lot of defunded and he really hasn't been all that great. He's been, you know, running against the top level horses. Um, but, you know, I, I think the best thing for him is that, you know, Arabian night is in this race. Yeah. Um, but he, he even, can bounce back for sure. I, but I, I can't trust him. But I, I do think he's probably better than he looks on paper, which is crazy that you get a Bob Baffert horse that's muddied up. But that's the one. And then National Treasure obviously did well in the Preakness when he had it his own way. I don't really see too much competition outside the, the stable. <laughs> like, I don't – and it's going to come off bad. The thing – like. <laughs> I don't, he's not, I don't think he's that good. You know no, what I mean? No, he's not. He really But is. he just, he's going to get the kind of trip again that he got, I think, in the Preakness. And, mm -hmm. and I agree with you. I, I feel like it, I, I have to kind of adjust my settings for this race because when I'm thinking about National Treasure along the lines of Archangelo, right? No chance, it's, right. It's a little, but when I'm thinking about National Treasure along the lines of, Stiletto slow down really. Andy you know what <laughs> right. I mean like He's in this field better. who I think is the like the way I'm looking at this is slow down Andy is the measuring stick horse mm. I think he's gonna run a good race again loom up he'll be like second or third if one of these other horses doesn't show up with the real a game but I do think that there's a major possibility that national treasure does and yep. the blinker's going on, his second start back after the short little break. He's getting a little cut back. It was on a muddy track. He didn't get the lead last time out because Scotland wanted the lead. So I don't know how much he wants to sit off other horses. He's never passed horses in his life at all. His wins <laughs> came when he was right on the lead. So that feels like it's got to be the plan for him. I prefer him of the Bafferts. I'm probably, like, and I, I had a hard time getting to, like you did. I'm, I'm looking at this race initially going, oh, I'm against defunded and national treasure. <laughs> and then I start like, right. I'm like licking my lips. Like, okay, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And then you start going to everyone else and you're like, oh no. Oh, cause uh, I, oh no. Oh no. Like, cause I, I don't have any problem with slow down Andy as a horse, but if you're at five to two, he's not fun. 
No, not at you all. Know, because he, like, he kind of he kind of falls short a lot. <laughs> and if he has that nice running style and he looms up again, that's fine. But like look at the races. I and and maybe it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth because I've had slow down Andy on my tickets at 15 to 1, 17 to 1, 7 to 2, and 11 to 1. And he's run well all of those times, but, but not didn't win. win. Right. And now we're gonna have to take him at two to one. Well, he I hasn't won in a year, which is I crazy. know, and that's what's hard. I, I, he is very honest and is a deserving major player contender in here. I just like he's not a fun enough price for me. Um, three seven. I if if I was looking at this race from maybe like a stable dual standpoint or trying to find some value at all, the only one of these courses that I could get back to, including would be Stiletto Boy. Because he has races that are this good somewhere on his yeah. page. And oh, on yeah. some of these other horses have never even gotten to a level. Like, I don't know if Skinner is even this good. I, I don't know if Bye Bye Bobby is this good or Celestial Moon or Paroli is good enough to win this race. Stiletto Boy is if he's okay, if he's right. But he's tough to trust after, off of what happened last time he just was never involved at all. Can you put a line right through that and maybe say, okay, he's finally going to be able to put a couple starts together. He's able to work up at Golden Gate a few times. He would be the only one, Barry, of a horse that's not going to be a short price that I could I could use in some tickets and, and make a case for. Yeah. Um, that and it's not even a great one. Like, I don't love it, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's what you have in front of you. Um, you know, I, I thought him or Buscador – yeah, uh, were the two horses that I could use, other than the Bafferts, but it's going to be tough to get around either and, of those. Horses. And even like we're saying with them, what makes this race difficult is I would love Buscador or um, uh, Stiletto Boy to be more like eight twelve to one, you know. But yeah. everybody's just a little shorter than they should be in this race, and so you don't feel like you get a whole lot of value with really anyone. That's why you, you kind of keep coming back to national treasure. And if he's like seven to two in this race and I'm he's like it. your third choice in here and I, we don't really love a whole lot of the other bigger prices, sometimes handicapping has to be this way. You don't, mm. it's not always linear. You don't just start out with the race and go, Oh, I like this horse. Boom. Let's move on to the next. If otherwise, it were only that easy, man. I know. So otherwise, <laughs> you wouldn't be watching us. We wouldn't be doing these videos, and I wouldn't have had a, a job and work for the last decade or so. So I'm glad <laughs> that people people don't do that as we, we uh, finish up with the awesome again. And we move to our final two graded stakes races on the Saturday card at Santa Anita. Ninth race, we are headed down the hill. And this one is my best play of the sequence, my friend. Okay. Um, and I'll tell you, it it says what I am. I'm a gambler. I'm a gambler <laughs> here. This is what it says. I think it's a great spot for this horse. I look back at I'm a gambler. This is a horse who had a lot of success sprinting before coming over to North America and the U.S. In fact, look at the five races before he came over. They were going seven furlongs, and he won four of those five. Group down three. In there, yep. a couple of handicaps, a stake. And the downhill at Santa Anita is six and a half, which is identical to the seven furlong trip 
that discourse was was going as far as distance. Now, when we look at the form of this horse, I'm a gambler. He shows up at the end of last year, and he ran fine in the Mathis Mile. It was off of a bit of a layoff. He finished fourth. He was only beaten two lengths that day. And then something went wrong. He had some kind of a physical issue because he was off for seven months. Shows back up in July in the Wicker against a tough field. We saw Dujour come right back and win in back-to-back races. And in the Wicker, he's just like a little short. Um, after a good start, uh, it was like a solid third in his first race in seven months. And then in the Del Mar Mile, he was he made a big wide sort of move to the lead in early stretch and was in the photo for the minor awards. He finishes sixth, but we gotta watch the end of the race just because it's one of those where it's not as bad as the sixth might look. So I'm a gambler is the number seven in this race, Barry, that we're watching. And I really like where he's sitting in here. He's sitting like fourth. Two lengths off. Yeah, he's in, in a good second spot flight. there. Yeah. Really, really nice spot. And we can watch him and pick him up the rest of the way. And, and we can see he's going to make the wide move to the lead. Not long after this in early stretch. But a horse like named DeJour, who's in excellent form right now, is able to go by them. This is a race that included some really good horses like Exalted and le- some legitimate graded stakes winners. Here comes I'm a Gambler making the move now on the outside and this is going a mile. Now we'll get the cutback to six and a half furlongs. That's what I really love. We're going to get a, a good pattern for a horse who's proven at this trip. Here he comes launching three wide moving to the lead. And I think it's just a little too far for him. His best races are not at a mile. They're at seven and even at six. Here comes DeJure who blasts right by. Now look, Barry, there are like five horses yeah, that line up for second. <laughs> look, he finished sixth. Right. And and was second or could the have whole, been second. Like really may have been <laughs> second best with the because what I like about the way he was ridden, he he was in that race to win it. He moved to the lead. He tried to win that race. He wasn't in there to run for second. If they would have timed that race differently, he could have finished second. But yeah. now we get the cutback, third off the bench. I like him quite a bit in this spot, cutting back to six and a half. I just think it'll play out really well for him down the hill. More punch. I'm a gambler. I like him in this spot, Barry. But what I like about this spot is that it's contentious, so it's a good race to have a strong opinion. Talk to us about some others that need to be on our radar. I'm with you um, with I'm a gambler. My notes on this horse <laughs> say, can't wait for this one to run down the hill. Exactly. And, right. And you can, here we are. You feel it sometimes with these horses where you look at them in their profile and you go, gosh, that one's going to gonna be good when they get down the hill. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the other one that kind of piqued my attention a little bit is uh, the 10, Packs of Wallop. Yep. Um. I'm going to forgive that last race uh, at five at Del Mar in the, uh, I think it's general the, flash or the green flash. That, green remember, flash. There you that go. was a, we talked about that race. Remember yeah. how tough that field was like a standout and he was a monster, but like beer can man is nice. Turn on the mm-hmm. jets is nice. Bus buzz is that freaky fast cowbred horse. That was a loaded group. Yeah, and I think this trip might actually work out better for, for this horse. I mean, you, you look 
how this horse's career has gone. And once he hit the grass, he just started blossoming. Lost some momentum. I maybe got hurt or they just laid him off after the, uh, the juvenile turf um, last year. Came back in the sham. I, I guess that was their attempt at getting on the derby trail. No bueno. Yep. Laid him off, then shows up you know, at the beginning of this month and doesn't run well. I don't know. I just think that getting this horse at this trip might be the thing. (laughs) Because when you talk about horses that we thought would be good down the hill, this is a perfect example of a horse where you look at their running lines and you go, the mile, even though he won it a mile a couple times, that was just because he was better than some of those horses and he has like a little more natural speed. Cutting back to this from those trips would be perfect. And the five last time was a nice little tightener for him to get ready, but it was Mm -hmm. in a really tough spot. And now he gets to go to a trip that's probably much better for him. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think his price is right, you know, and I don't think there's any, anybody that really kind of towers over this field. Not at all. Um, You know, you think brand is probably going to be the favorite. He's not unbeatable in this spot. And the other horse that kind of caught my eye was the one, Balnikov. I think so too. I, I think the cutback for this one will probably be ideal. Although my reservation is this horse might get way too far back. Yeah. I like the just let him loose though. You know what I mean? Like I because he will come running and it's he's one of those horses where I think sometimes when you try to get him into the race earlier, he it it dulls his punch. I think they've tried to do that once or twice, even last time where it's like they try to move a little earlier. I think he is one of those horses that you want to wait, wait, wait and time it. And if they can just keep him like you're saying seven or eight lengths out of it and not 12 to 15. Yeah. He'll you know, be good. Yeah. When they come turning for home and then press the button, he could come flying that race two starts back. I mean, that runner up effort to gold Phoenix, that's a good race. You know, like even a, even the uh, the Delmar Mile, the one where Dujour beat uh, Exalted and Visitant, that race, um, he actually didn't get a great trip. No, he was in some and, traffic. Yeah, he definitely was because I bet him that day um, because I was trying to I was looking to beat Dujour, and this horse got bottled up and and kind of tried to get out, and it was a little bit too late, and they were already gone. So I think the, the the cutback might do as good. They just have to keep this horse kind of in the race a little bit earlier and, and kind of keep up with the field, and I think he'll be okay. Well, there's a, a look at the Eddie D, who was uh, my mom, my mom, Mrs. Bacola. My mom, when she was still Mrs. Rochford, used to work at Santa Anita. She sold the digest out front. Nice. Uh, she had the biggest – I say had. She has – Still, the, <laughs> the biggest crush on Eddie D. Absolutely loves Eddie D. She loved to play him, but she just like just gets the butterflies with Eddie D. He's one of those. So it's so funny. Uh, so hopefully uh, we won't get a wire to wire winner in this. No, race. we need a way late. <laughs> That's a Bolitnikov move, right? Eddie exactly. D would, Eddie D would have been aboard Bolitnikov there, coming from way way out of it in uh, the ninth race on Saturday at Santa Anita, the Grade Two Eddie D. Let's. Uh, take a turn to race number 10, the city of hope mile. And I got to mention this uh, uh, real quick. Uh, the city of hope saved my life. Uh, when I was sick and I had cancer, I spent 
I have five or six rounds of chemotherapy at the city of hope. I had to spend an entire month there. The first time I got an infection, I got really sick. Um, it did not look like I was going to make it. I was 22 years old. I had just been working at TVG for not even a full year. I had had the greatest month of my entire life. I made $80,000 betting in the Del Mar mm. summer. And I had my, all my bank was filled. I was loving life. I was just got a job on TV and I was doing the late double shows and my, like, I was so confident life was great for me. And I felt a lump in my neck and I got sick. And within, um, I, I was pretty lucky because one of the, the women though, that was working as an executive at city of hope, I went to school with her daughter at LaSalle high school. And we, so we knew each other. Um, she was a couple years younger than me and I was having a hard time getting in to the hospital. There's long waiting lists and everything. And, um, well, the girl found out, she told her mom, her mom called me up and said, you know, I know you, you were friends with my daughter. You were always very nice to her. I work over here. We've got a room ready for you at city of hope next week. So don't you worry about it. And they saved my life, man. You know, um, it's crazy. And I see a race like this and it, I see the word city of hope. I drive by it sometimes here and there and I get weird feelings, but for anybody who (laughs) may not have known that story, or maybe you've just started following the last couple of years here and there, um, shout out to city of hope. The place that uh, that saved my life. The reason why I'm still here talking right now because I, within a month, had non-Hodgkin. I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Within a month, I had lost 50 pounds. Um, oh, wow. I was under 100 pounds when I was getting weighed, uh, like in the 90s, um, which was just crazy. And place saved me. One day they came in and they told me, "Oh yeah, by the way, we did your last scan. Everything's clear." Nice. What? That's, that's oh my gosh. Amazing. Like out of nowhere. It was um unbelievable. So That's amazing. I'm glad they they were there for you though cuz we're here now. Yeah, and uh <laughs> the City of Hope sponsors the big stakes race to close out the card on Saturday at Santa Anita. It's the Grade 2 City of Hope Mile Stakes. And in this one Barry, a couple horses are on my radar. Uh one horse that I play or it's coming out of the same race. We when we previewed September 2nd, I liked War at Sea a little bit that day. And yes. it's same thing that you were saying. He just, because I bet him, he got a trip that he had no chance. He was like three wide all the way around <laughs> the track. And he just never had a shot. So I would definitely use him back because of that. I thought last time was the race where he would show some improvement, be able to step forward. He didn't really get the chance to do so. Um, he's one for me. And then the other one for me that I wanted to mention also in that same race was twist who had a bunch of trouble. Um, so there were a lot of horses that come out of that race that had some trips. Um, those were the two that will, will, uh, I'll start with at least in what is another nice way to end the card. Like a really contentious betting race probably starts with Hong Kong, Harry based on what he's done, but he's been your beaten favorite in two of the last three races. It's not like he's invincible. Yeah. I, I mean, he's definitely one to beat here. Yep. Uh, but he's not invincible. He can and does get into some trouble um, trying to weave his way through the pack. So it's definitely possible, especially in this race, because there's not really a whole bunch of speed side on. And the horse astronomer kind of looks the, to play the, uh, the role of the, the pace setter. And however far that horse wants to take him, 
he definitely has a chance to win this race because it, 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 he can slow this race down. And that would, would mean a lot of trouble for a horse like Hong Kong Harry. Um, and another horse that kind of caught my eye at a, at a price is Flavius. Um, That's funny. Kind These of are, yeah, they, we're all, we're on the same page here because of what like astronomer massive upside. Again, if you're playing a pick four or pick five, I can't leave astronomer out because there are versions of this race where he just gets the lead and goes like, he's got to be on my ticket as one of the three or four horses in this race I'm using. Yeah. I mean, you can't really trust him and be like, wow, this horse is just going to take these horses wire to wire because he hasn't really proved it at this level, but, but we know that, you know, certain circumstances can make a horse that probably isn't the best on paper turn out to be better when that, when the race actually runs. And I think that may be the case with astronomer. He may take him a long way um, be, just because the race dynamics are in his favor. And while we're on him for even a little bit more, like what, if you're looking at his form and you're a little concerned because that number he threw up last time was sort of a bigger figure that he's had, you know, keep in mind that we saw him at the end of his two-year-old season. And then he missed all of his three-year-old right. season. <laughs> and then half of the, you know what I mean? Like the next, the four-year-old season. So think about all of the growth and development and maturity that might be there that we don't even know mm-hmm. that is built into this horse. He might be ready to take one more step forward from his 92 buyer speed figure to a 95, 98 or a hundred. It wouldn't be absurd based on some of the other progression, like where he was going with some of his other races prior to that. And then he just missed all that time when you develop and you grow and you become a bigger horse. So I'm glad you pointed him out because he was that next horse I wanted to mention. Cause I can't, I can't play a pick four or pick five and he's not one of them because turning for home, if he's got a length or two on the field, you're going to really want this horse. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but the rest of them kind of look a little overmatched here. Like, a horse that I really would want to like, um, Iridao, just has been stuck with awful trips. Yeah. And and probably will get another bet on it. Saturday. I had him on one of the days when he was second. I think it was the American when he was 13 to one, when he was second behind exalted and he was never going to win that day is, but he just ran like a really good race to finish second. And I, and that's sort of what you get from him because he spots the field so much ground. And with this trip, he's probably going to be outside again. Yeah. Yeah, He's just rough. Everything would need to go so perfect for him to win this. Um, Let's see. We mentioned twist. We mentioned Captain Peak is another one. It's just a perennial like runner up. Yeah. He he runs, he, he runs in all these nice races and runs well, just doesn't win them. And you don't have like there's one or two times where he has had a little bit of trouble and you would play him back after that. But then it seems like he may just be a cut below like a Hong Kong Harry and even an Iridale and Flavia, like some of like this tier of horses, he might be right below them, but you understand why they run and they take shots in here because it's not like far. Um, and, and they're not all, like all these other he's opportunities checks too. Yeah. Mm. It's not like he's getting overmatched. Those horses just at their best are, are maybe just a little bit better than him winning. And so at four to one, I think he's a little short for me for what I, for wanting to use him in here. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, it's like every time this horse runs, he probably should be four to one. Yeah. I know you're right. Right. Like the same all the way through, um, <laughs> twist. 
talked about the trouble he had. Flavius. Flavius is a fun one too because he has some really good races that he can throw in. Like when he gets the right type of trip, right type of setup, he moved to the front in the wicker at 40 to one and ran a bang up race behind DuJour. And then last time out, it was at Kentucky. We can very easily put a line right through and forgive horses who don't run well over that course anytime. Yeah. Uh, you know, <clears throat> even a horse like hit the road, um, who hasn't been good in, in a couple of years, but he's always there. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if this horse wins. I, I mean, he's done and, it on the big stage before. Um, and, he and definitely needs a, a form reversal, but I mean, again, this, this is a really evenly matched field. If things break the wrong way or right way, um, he could be coming late. He's the type of long shot that I like, including also because just what you're pointing out, like we were pointing out with Flavius. These are horses who have done it before. So you know they're capable of winning this type of a race. It's it's in there. They can do it. The question is, is it still there? Is it still there? With right. That's road. where the gamble is, basically. And and that's why you play and that's why if they're 15 to 1, it's worth it. If they're mm -hmm. four or five to one, it's probably not. Exactly. And when you dive into his form, this is a horse who two years ago in the city of Hope Mile ran a bang-up race behind Mo Forza and Smooth Like Straight. And then he was in the Pegasus World Cup turf. Look, he was only 8-1 to one in that race. That He took a bunch of money in that race. Mm. And I remember thinking it, he was going to be one of the better, like, older turf horses that year. That's how he was sort of set up. And then something went wrong. He's off from January all the way to December the 31st. So 11 Basically months, a year. the whole yeah. year, he shows up last year in 2022. He runs twice, doesn't really fire in either one of them. And then he's gone for another few months, you know, and then he's gone for uh, a couple more months. Like you can make some excuses for him. The blinkers come back on. Have there been some physical issues? And now he's rounding back into form. And at 15 to one, he's not a horrible ha horse to have in your, you know, exotics when you're closing here. Hit yeah, if you think this is a spread race, you got to use them. Hit the road. Well, hopefully Barry and I have helped lead you to a couple horses on Saturday at Santa Anita. It is opening weekend there. This weekend and next weekend are the two real, like, last big prep weekends that we have. Because this weekend will be Santa Anita. There's a few at Belmont and Aqueduct. Then next weekend, Keeneland opens up. So we'll have stakes races at Keeneland, at Aqueduct, and at Santa Anita all the last round of prep races to get everybody ready for the breeders cup, which is just about five, uh, yeah, five, six weeks away right now. Man, I, uh, I love the ground that we've covered over the last few months. Now we get to, to check back in with our friends at Santa Anita next week. We'll probably <laughs> talk a little Keeneland and, uh, we are, we're getting closer to the breeders cup, my friend. Thanks again for all your hard work. Let all the folks out there know, um, Going in circles, big Mondays, anything else we got going on? You, you're not selling tickets or anything like that out there, right? No group tickets. <laughs> no, no group tickets. No, no, okay, I just wanted to check out. Nothing nothing like that happening out there. My my, uh, my tickets usually don't ha aren't big enough. To, to, to sell. Uh, to, I was going to yeah. say, I don't have enough zeros on my tickets to sell any. You know, So that's the problem. Uh, talk to us about uh, going in circles and, and Chuck and uh, all the good work you guys do over there. Yeah, we're doing uh, some some new stuff coming up. Uh, we got a new website coming out. 
Uh, we're doing our big Monday show every Monday. Comes out on Tuesday, usually about an hour and a half to two hours because we hit it once a week. But we try to cover all the topics, horse racing related, and we give some commentary. So, you know, check us out every Monday. But you can always catch me on Twitter if you have any questions. DM me. I'm, you know, I'm always ready to interact. Much love always, my friend, and uh, it's one of my favorite times of the week now. We we just shifted from the Friday mornings like we used to to like the Thursday afternoons, and now we still get that same hour or so to talk some racing and to hopefully lead some of you out there in the right direction. Make sure to head to drf.com for any of your horse racing needs, past performances, and at DRF Bets, you can get those free past performances. So as we say goodbye... My good friend Joey Cleveland says hello with that rock version of the call to post. Big thank you to Barry for helping us out with Saturday Santa Anita. Next week, we'll probably talk uh, some best plays from Santa Anita and from Keeneland as they open up next week. But remember, if you need any help with any plays for Sunday, I'll probably have a couple videos coming out for Santa Anita and for Woodbine with some Sunday plays. Let's get to the final segment on this episode, This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. I did have some internet issues earlier today, so this conversation cut out a couple times. I just tried to edit it uh, together the best that we could, so if you hear some slight technical issues in a few spots, they they don't last for very long. Um, they, we get through those pretty quickly. So Chad joins us to preview the AEW pay-per-view this weekend. Russell Dream, we get into WWE with SmackDown. John Cena's around with Monday Night Raw. What's happening over there with the Judgment Day? And then we get to NXT with a NXT premium live event coming up this weekend. Koopa Loop joins us for this week in wrestling. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. Thing going on in the world of pro wrestling with Chad Cooper here on That's What G Said podcast. It's this week in wrestling. We'll talk about AEW Dynamite Collision. They have a Wrestle Dream pay per view coming up. WWE Raw SmackDown NXT NXT has no mercy coming up. Lots going on in the world. Koopa Loop, my man, how's everything going on your end? Man, I'm uh, as we creep into October, which is on Sunday. Um, it's still, still a, uh, a balmy 92 with a heat index, uh, heat, uh, it's just, man, it's hot. I'm ready. I'm not looking forward to that because I'm actually making a trip out to Dallas next weekend for a wedding. So that's, they say it's unseasonably warm, uh, you know, and we have a humidity, uh, that's at about 60%. So it's, it's a wet heat. So be prepared, sir. And, uh, this week. We'll have a couple uh, wrestling shows on the weekend. Let's start on the AEW side, and then we'll flip over to WWE because they have a AEW has a Wrestle Dream pay per view coming up. And I gotta say, they they have to do a better job next year of 
timing out some of these pay-per-views. It just feels like they're, they have had a ton of pay-per-views in the last six weeks. And it's just hard to build anything up for them coming off of all the CM Punk drama. Uh, MJF is a baby face and Adam Cole is in the major storyline with him. But last night they uh, tell us that Adam Cole got hurt. First question I have to ask you, do you think the injury is real or do you think it's a storyline? Oh, you know, I, I, I contemplated, um, cause they posted the pictures of his ankle and stuff and Brit is getting into it. Right. Brit's posting sure. like, man, look at this guy, look at his ankle. Um, what a good dude. So I, I could see it going either way, but I will say if this is an angle and they do this to lead to Adam Cole winning the title and like the people they have attack and, uh, attack. Jay White late in the show If that is like Adam Cole And some of you know Roderick Strong And those guys and this is all A plan to screw over MJF and Adam Cole was messing with him All along I, I would love that Beautiful. I think that that would be a great Storyline if they were able to plant that And play it out that long On the flip side if Adam Cole is just Hurt that would, that would really suck for that guy He's had some bad luck as of late but um, Yeah it was just yeah you know, he, yeah, chalk it up to, yeah, this is another reason why WWE, you know, uh, didn't put all the effort they wanted to to end this guy's so face hurt. Some so. injury prone. Yeah, and so now positive. So he's, this, he's the defending the ROH titles in a two-on-one match now. So, so right? I was going to say, well, here here's the thing. So positive, I, I feel sort of positive about what might be in that in that angle. If it is something to do... And we find out that Adam Cole was lying and he's not really that hurt. And it was just a ruse so he could screw MJF, make him wrestle more, and then find a way to cheat him out of the title. That's great. But if that – one of two things. If that's not happening, or even if it is, was this the right time before a pay-per-view to be kind of s- starting that? And then having MJF have a promo battle with Jay White. He's got nothing to do with MJF in the pro, in the pay-per-view this weekend. Like yeah, MJF. You, de- you definitely don't want MJF lo- getting pinned in any shape, form, or fashion, regardless no. if this is for the tag team titles or not. Especially by guys like The Righteous that we've never even seen or heard of. It's not like he's getting pinned by someone of value on the card. So sure. I actually think MJF and Jay White could be a fine main event program. Jay White's pretty solid on the mic we saw last night. Um, he can he can talk, he can go in the ring, but if you're not having that match this weekend, why did you have that that segment last night? Why not just have it next week? What's what's the point in making all of us watching the show think about MJF versus Jay White, and then this week we're gonna get MJF versus the Righteous? I don't. Those are yeah, all the little things that make no sense yeah. to me, Chad. Because I even think this could be good. I'm not knocking on what happened last night. MJF's promo was solid. Jay was White's funny. promo was, and they, was and, they, and they had and they had a funny segment. It was it was fine. It was good. But why not next week? Why do you do it before a pay per view that you're building up to? I completely forgot they had a pay per view this week. It's a new one, Wrestle Dream. Um, it's just another one where you go through the ten matches on paper. Sure, it'll be fine. Why didn't they build anything until this week? <laughs> Literally nothing. Isn't that been the M.O. for at least a while? You said it at the beginning. 
I think there's been way too many, especially with the back-to-back in September. And then now Grand, Grand Slam. Then they had Grand Slam. Right. And then we have like a title Tuesday coming up and we have some branded Wednesday shows. Um, I think it's way, way too much and it's convoluted. And I, I think it's I think it's hurt overall. I think it's hurt a lot of AEW. Don't forget collision. Coming into the mix in the middle of nowhere too, right? Like six sure, weeks ago, sure. all of a sudden now there's a new live two hour show every Saturday that they're booking. Sure. I I just I do feel like they may have taken on a little too much because going through this card. Once we get to Sunday, the matches will be very good. They're oh, also going to wrestling. Have... It's a pure wrestling card. Yeah. No, no if ands or buts. Uh, but the, they're also of... going to have to deal with Sunday night and uh, Taylor Swift in New York. <laughs> She's for, back for the Jets game. <laughs> She's going to be there, man, and uh, that's a phenomenon. Like uh, unlike anything else, there. I, I just look at some of the bill for this um, and the ten match card that's coming up. This week, and I wonder. Okay, let's start Brian, with the good builds. Let's okay. start with the good builds. Let's start with the positives. We know all the matches are probably going to be good. There's going to be some Christ- a lot better than others. So let's go. Christian with the good Darby. Builds. Christian Darby. Good build. Had a sit down with Jr. Right. I think that was good. Darby poured the, the water over his face paint, rubbed it off. He's becoming more of a real person over the last couple months. I think and they've I like done that. A, I don't think too. he needed that face paint. Face paint anyway. And he was sort of like a caricature right it, he felt like a guy who was playing a character we never heard him talk we never heard much about him now we know he was close to nick wayne he was close to ar fox these guys helped him through his struggles i couldn't help it i had some i had like thoughts of darby allen on like this one um discussion him and priscilla uh, uh, gg dolan had you know, years back, and I, like, couldn't get these, like, cringy things he said out of my head. <laughs> now, right. you know, like, now he feels like he's grown up. He feels more like a man yeah. in this company than it was, like, a, a boy. And I like what they've done with him. And freaking Christian is now the TNT champ, and he's – he was trying to fi- – he said, yeah, my uncle's dead. What do you want to do? All you do is t- talk about people that are dead, Darby says to him, and – I don't know why it's so funny that Christian keeps making fun of dead people, but it's like, yeah, yeah. it's not a funny thing, right? It's like, no, Jack oh, Perry. Hello. We should be, <laughs> we should be like, oh man, that was, br-. but the way he does it and how he presents it. And he goes, oh, wh- call everybody, call Nick Wayne, call Mrs. Wayne. Wait, I've got her digits. I'll call Nick's mom. You know, like he just <laughs> stops it in the middle and it's like, so, um, I think this will be fun. Like, I think they've done a good job with this over a few weeks. Christian feels super relevant again. And title change or no? I think I, I think he should. Okay. I think he should. So I'm looking forward to that match on okay. the card. Uh, I think that's been well built. The Hangman Adam Page Swerve Strickland match. Good contract signing. Didn't yep. mind that at all. No, I, I like the because Swerve is good. If you give him. TV time, he's going to make the best of it. What I like about Swerve is his promo style is unique. It's a little bit different. Like, he doesn't feel like a pro wrestler cutting a pro wrestling promo on you. He sort of feels like a regular guy talking about what he would do in the situation. I'm always a fan of that. We got a little bit more passion out of Hangman Page. He did everything he can to take some shots at CM Punk while he was doing it, too, talking about black clouds and how he didn't feel right. And now that's lifted. So, uh, again, I think the build for this has been good. My only concern 
I don't think either one of these guys should be losing right now. No. They no. both could be in that next grouping of guys to go after MJF or whoever the, t- the champion is. I don't, and I, I'd love to see these guys being built up separately, but someone's going to have to get do beat. We, do we need a clean finish here? No, I think, I think Swerve goes over and you maybe find a way to have him, somebody interfere, somebody cheat, somebody helps him, but Paige loses. You have Swerve go over and Swerve, you can elevate over to MJF if you want. Or really? kind of that's keep a, on that's that. That's a big push for Swerve now. On that trajectory. I think Swerve would be a really good heel for MJF. That's that's not someone you expect to necessarily win the title right now, um, but could could add a little something to that. The let's see, the Jericho and the Golden Elite versus the Don Callis family. Okay, so I I'm okay with a few of these things. Um, first thing, I love the way Sammy Guevara looked last night. He looked like someone you wanted to punch in the face. He had the white pants on and he came out and he's like looking like a guy who's just so full of himself. I like that. The problem I have, and maybe it's just me, this is an issue that people used to have with Seth Rollins. I never felt that way. There's something about when Sammy starts talking, I just don't believe him or he seems less tough. Like he seems less of a tough guy the more that he talks. And I just, I don't believe what he's saying. It doesn't. It reminded me a little bit of like when we used to complain about Zoe Stark, like the the things that she would say or like and how she would say it. It's kind of like that with Sammy. I don't, I don't believe it. And while I think, man, this is going to be a pretty cool match: Jericho, Kenny Omega, and Ibushi on a six man a six man tag against Takeshita, Sammy, and Will Osprey. We didn't even get anything from the baby faces. Like to sell the pay-per-view We didn't get any Okay, I get it, they're all injured right? That's the angle they're playing here Like all of the good guys are injured They went and took out Ibushi Jericho got taken out last week by Sammy And uh, Kenny's injured But we didn't get like go-home promos At least from them A video of them saying you beat me up I'm gonna get you this weekend Like like nothing from them Uh, First Sammy, right? Um, let, let's be real. I mean, the, his promos and his uh, screen performance outside of in ring, not only has it not gotten better or not got better, I think it's getting worse. I, I just think there's no work there. There's nothing to be done. And I'm not saying I, there's just something odd and that has been up with this with this kid. Um, in ring talent always been there from the indie scene, the Texas indie scene where he's from to the national indie scene, in, indie scene, no problem. But something is just not clicking uh, on screen. I know him and oh, Jericho God. had a moment or two last week where they did the old Shawn Michaels. Was that Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels? Flair. Flair, you know, yeah, okay. Um, or was but, it Jericho? It was Shawn Michaels, Jericho. Shawn that, well, Michaels like, and Jericho. That's, that's why it. Sammy was the young Jericho, and he had yes. the, the gear yes. on and everything. Yeah. So, okay, it's a, that's a little wonky. But, I, you know, again, in-ring fine promos, hard to be believable. So if you're not going to be, uh, I'm with you. Uh, nothing from the faces. You know, looking at this match on paper, as I'm looking at now, six-man tag, right? Um It'll be solid. It just feels like another that. Yes, it just seems like a just a 
filler moment. And it seems like the Jericho Sammy is dominating Omega Osprey. Absolutely. You know, and that shouldn't be the case. I think we've been on Omega for a while. Like, why hasn't this guy cut promos, done anything? Why doesn't he feel like a a bigger character on your show? He does not. In this situation, proves proves our point. Exactly. I just don't understand why isn't he one of your main characters? Like, you don't even have a world title match on this show. You don't even have, you know, your main, main world champion in a singles match on the show. This is the second show in a row where you're not having your world championship defended. Now, I will say something really did happen with Adam Cole, and that has backed up their plans. Okay, I'll give them a little bit of a mulligan, but that's when you have guy like Kenny Omega, and you can insert and and slot in different places. And I, yeah, I look at this and wonder is like, this feels like something you would do on on a dynamite. That's true. Like this is something. This match should have been on dynamite on the go home show to sell the match. Like I, this shouldn't be the end all match at the pay per view. These individual feuds should be ending at pay-per-views because, again, you're asking us to buy this for 50 bucks. There should be a little bit more buildup and blow-offs at these. We should be seeing something that we may not see on TV each week. And that's that's the concern here. Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. Dream match. Two of the best wrestlers in the world. Did they have anything on this show? And is this the main event? It's being kind of talked about like it's the main event. I think it we is. Have anything on this show for these guys? None. Nothing. And the crazy part is, they've been building this up on social media, and Zack Saber Jr. cut an amazing promo <laughs> on social media a few days ago. You didn't even have to produce anything. You could have just taken his promo and played it. I, I and maybe you, you and I are recording on Thursday morning. Maybe they're going to do something on Friday night and Rampage and Saturday and Collision. Is that enough to sell your pay-per-view? Why wouldn't you do why wouldn't you do some of these go home angles on the show when more people are watching you? When there's 800 or 900,000 people watching versus 3 to 500,000. I'll give them a credit. Collision, I can't believe actually had a pretty good number last week even against the football games like yeah, Ohio State yeah. Notre Dame. Like shout sure. out to them. They were up in the 500,000 range, but that's still like what forty percent of what you get on dynamite, sixty percent on what you get on dynamite, you know, depending on where you are. I didn't it's it's the same sort of thing. No growth, no real development. Um FTR Aussie open that you know for the AEW World Tag Team Championships, they're kind of building that a little bit more on collision, not necessarily on dynamite. MJF virtu- versus the Wannabe Wyatt family, the righteous. <laughs> I was like, "Am I watching the Wyatt family?" Like the the mannerisms and like the so it. it and you know what? I I joked for a second. I don't care. That's what wrestling's all about, right? Doing things like modeling yourself after. But this is even more. People joke about L.A. Knight being like a Rock or Stone Cold ripoff. These guys are literally doing the Wyatt family gimmick. No doubt, like, exactly. <laughs> um. Um, but we don't know anything about these guys. Like we've never seen or heard from these guys on dynamite until last night. And they're going to be in a match with the world champion on the pay-per-view. It's such, 
a weird way of putting together a pay-per-view. I've yeah, never sure seen anything like it. a lot like of Ring of Honor stuff, don't they? We've got Ring, uh, Eddie Kingston versus Shibata, Ring of Honor World Championship, and Strong Openweight Championship. Cool. Eddie just won the title. Why not get Shibata on Dynamite this week? Right. right. Like, just like we're saying, why not give us one look or a week? Are you telling me he wasn't available? Maybe he wasn't. I don't know. But, again, uh, they did. They were promo heavy this week. There was a lot of backstage segments, a lot of interviews. Why couldn't you put this one in there? Eddie Kingston just cutting a promo. Hey, I come. I came back from New Japan. I've got a title here. And now I get to face someone I've always wanted to face. Simple. Eddie Kingston can can say it in 30 seconds. And we would have said, ah, maybe they could do more. But at least it would have been something. At least it would have been something. Um, Statlander versus Julia Hart. You know what? I, I will give them credit. The Julia Hart presentation has really improved. And, like, her character work is very good. And I think she's improved in the ring, too. So you, we don't see her on Dynamite all that much. But what she's doing has been getting she has been getting better and I don't know if she wins this match, but you know what, Chad, they've done a good enough job to make me think she has a chance. I agree. I, I, I have nothing wrong with that. I, I, you know, even though I thought we were pushing Willow Nightingale, me too. Month, and she but, shouldn't be getting beat like that. No. I know it wasn't just a squash, but you can't find anyone else on your roster. You've got a ton of other talent. That's not being used that much. Why not? You, you don't think any other Young female wrestler that doesn't get much screen time would have loved to go out there for five minutes and been on the losing end there. And and you don't make Willow look as damaged because she's, you know, Willow, Sky Blue. These were some of the baby faces that you maybe have penciled for for a future baby face run. And they probably do. The problem is it was just last month that we were billing her as, OK, well, she's a mm-hmm. champ. Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. Or what, yep, RH, yep. What, whatever women's title she had. And then now she's losing again. I appreciate the the TV match, and I appreciate them getting Julia Hart on TV to build this match. Just wish it was against some someone else. So I'm interesting to, interested to see this 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 match. How much time it gets? How good it is? I know Statlander can go. Uh, we haven't seen a whole lot of Julia Hart. Um, we will find out Saturday uh, uh, if this match is shorter or longer. You know these. These AEW pay-per-views are scheduled for like three and a half or four hours. So we'll see if this match is shorter or longer. Um, last night on Dynamite, they had a few of those. Right? <laughs> they were like, Rrr. I thought, and it was funny. Then the way it happened at the end of the show, I was like, was that part of the show? Were they ha- like, were they trying to tease people cutting in? Like they would always do that with like a retribution or yeah. some of those. Oh some of gosh. Those. But, uh, yeah, Statlander's fine in the ring. Like this, this uh, women's match for the TBS Championship could be solid, and I like what they're doing with Julia Hart. It just felt like they needed something for Ricky Stark, so they sort of shoehorn a match in with Wheeler Yuta right here. Um, right. They have Wheeler cut a promo in the back. It sort of seemed weird to me because Starks just sort of walks off. Like, why would Ricky just walk walk off when he gets challenged to a match like that? Yeah, I don't like that. It just shows weakness, and he's not weak. You know, I just again. I just think they've held this guy back. You, you know, you talk about someone, and we'll get to Jade Cargill in a little bit. You talk to someone, and I'm not saying they're not using Ricky Starks properly because he has been in a lot of feuds, and he's been working a lot on TV. But uh, as good as he is in the ring, you know, like Sammy Guevara, the opposite of him, Ricky Starks is the most personable person 
probably on that roster. And I would just like to see him get, you know, to be more involved in TV and like interview stuff. And that was not a good indication of his, his character at all. Didn't like that. And we have a tag team match for a future tag team championship match. Young Bucks versus the Guns versus the Lucha Brothers versus Orange Cassidy and Hook. It it just feels like it's got to be Orange Cassidy and Hook for me because the Bucks are split up. The Guns have just had uh, feuds and the Lucha Brothers have just had feuds with FTR. So I don't know if we're going to go right back there with those guys. It feels like it'll be Orange Cassidy and Hook unless we're having FTR lose to Aussie Open which wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. Um, and what is the only, the, the biggest issue I have right now with AEW as we move from AEW, they have a pay-per-view coming up this weekend. And the things that are the most on my mind right now are MJF and Jay White. Adam Cole, is he really hurt? And who are the people that attack Jay White? And none of that's on the pay-per-view. And don't we have it like, didn't uh, oh, so Matt Jackson... Or was Nick Jackson? Didn't he have a singles? And he's the number one contender for next week for the uh, the TN or the yeah the, the all um, all international championship the championship. And then yeah. they have this big four team four way for the number one contenders for the world tag team championship. What? I think that was just put together to get these guys on the card. All, I know you get again, eight more guys on the card. Bucks, Guns, Lucha Brothers. Cassidy and Hook, come on. If you really wanted to to shake it up a little bit, let Cassidy and Hook do something there. Yep. Right? We've kind of been there, done that with the other three. Let's move to WWE. And on SmackDown, John Cena has been around. And John Cena wants to take on the bloodline. And John Cena is looking for a phenomenal partner. And he has AJ Styles ready for him. And Cena and Styles. Want the match to happen. So they ask Pierce. Pierce agrees to it. But later in the night, AJ Styles is taken out by the bloodline. And at the end of the night, Cena is left laying. Now I have to mention somebody that was supposed to be on this show was not on this show because he was dealing with COVID. Uh-oh. LA Knight. So LA Knight was supposed to be on Friday Night SmackDown. And L.A. Knight is supposed to be the guy who is the partner for John Cena. And if they 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 could be having either a John Cena and L.A. Knight tag match or a three-on-three with Cena, with L.A. Knight, and with AJ versus the Bloodline. So, Coop, he wasn't there. Nothing you can do when it's like a physical thing like that. Sure, but if, they're, sure. if that's the direction they're going... It's a great spot for L.A. Knight in to be the guy to come out and and save John Cena. Well, uh, I'm glad that this match wasn't on SmackDown because I first thought this is a massive match. I know. To not have any promotion to. I'm like, holy cow. Yeah, we knew John Cena was coming, but, you know, him and AJ versus any type of bloodline or for this match, for this, for any other matter, anyone is a massive match. So I'm glad this one's waiting, and I, no, I was the same with you. I, I, I think L.A. Knight was the guy to be used here. Um, I, d- does he come back? I, I'd hate to see A.J. just be thrown in and used for that angle. Um, it was a little odd that they chose him, right, A.J. Styles, yeah. for it. But, um, I, you know, whether L.A. Knight is, is 
put back in or they do a, a six man, I'm perfectly fine with that. Would you be okay if LA just turned on Cena? Ooh, or it's really? just so hot That's... that you can't do that? Or maybe I think cheering. I, I, I have no indication that this is going to happen. No, no. I, and I, I think you want to keep him for a while as the baby, I think, okay, because he's just sure. getting such great reactions. But, man, that would be a good place to go. Well, I think he's just getting started, really, to be honest with you. Even though we've been saying this for a year, I really don't think we've seen him take off just yet. Now, uh, WWE on SmackDown, we also had Rey Mysterio and Santos Escobar pick up a win over the Street Profits. I'm a little confused what's going on there with yeah, them and interesting. with Lashley. Because initially, it looked like these guys were going to be monster heels. Now, they're already getting beat in, like, roll-ups and stuff. I'm not—I I don't— I liked what it was initially. I don't like where we've been the last couple of weeks. Well, here's my two cents, Gino. So they're either, this is not going to work. So, which, uh, it wasn't Montez. So Bobby Lashley gets involved. Is it, is it Montez or Hawkins? It's like, man, I don't want you to get involved. Yeah. Regardless, either way. And then later on in the night, Bobby says, you know, if you guys, if you guys can't, Take care. I'll find somebody in catering to can. So either one or two things are happening. They're either hitting the eject panic button and getting out of this because uh, they think that uh, they're, they're still too popular and too hot and too baby facey, or they're kind to still show you, tell a story a little bit that they're still baby facey and they're trying to turn it. I think they could be turned into instant killers overnight. I don't think you need to slow play this turn. It's because you know why it's sort of already taken a while. What, that's yeah. what makes it so confusing to me. me too. So that's why I think they're they're getting out of this. I hope not because they didn't give it time to breathe, but it sure does feel that way. Yo, Sky in a really great match against oh, Oscar. These two were awesome, and Eo picks up the win. Um, we have pretty deadly doing some comedy. These guys are fine. <laughs> you know what they I mean, are. like. They're talking about Elton Strong and the long road to recovery. Um, and I got to give a shout out real quick. Adam! We didn't talk about it on AEW, but Roderick Strong with the neck. Oh, yeah, with the, he had a hospital gown on. He's got the hospital gown, and he's got on his on his wheelchair, it says Hot Rod on the back. He's got the, he's got the license plate on his wheelchair. It was great. And Somebody, I think, best, on, is uh, that the best thing happening in AEW right now? Let's it, uh, other than MJF, right? It is. Adam, it is. and they've got to. Uh, I think it was Justin Labar on uh, wrestling said it. They've got to start selling those neck braces. Yeah, places. Yeah, oh my god, I would buy one right now. I would <laughs> if I was walking right there. Like I would buy two for you and me, and we take a fake picture with our necks. You know what I mean? Like, who wouldn't be doing that? Everybody would be doing that with their friend. They take a picture of them like strangling their friend with the neck brace, and it's like, I think they really got to do that. Sell those neck braces. Um, and uh, as we kind of go over to SmackDown, a major positive for me: Theory and Grayson Waller feel like they should be yeah. a tag team. Man, this this could be. It's getting good. It could be really entertaining as a tag team of two heels. And I think it'll really help uh, theory more than anything, because Waller's so good on the mic. I think this will open theory up a little bit. I agree. And he can feed off him. Yep. hundred percent. We, then we're going to finish up with the contract signing for Fastlane, And that's when we saw AJ styles get attacked 
And Carl Anderson was upset. He said, I told him not to get involved with the bloodline. So John Cena was alone. John Cena gets beat down. We'll find out next week. Is AJ Styles okay? Is he selling this injury angle for a while? And is it LA Knight there to save the day? Yeah. And it's going to be interesting because with the these the writer strike basically about over, uh, the actor strike. I, I don't. I'm not saying he came over here to do this. Maybe this was planned six That's months ago. Point. But it'll be interesting to see how long John Cena stays around because it looks like things are cooking on the Hollywood side of things. And even the the prospects of The Rock possibly the Rock, oh, showing yeah. up at WrestleMania, oh, yeah. which a lot of oh, people yeah. were saying because of the writer strike. Is in the actor stuff If that's all resolved Do we even have a small possibility Of that happening so. So that was on Smackdown And we found out Just after Monday Night Raw That Jade Cargill Is going to be wow. coming to WWE And if you are a fan of Jade If you're not a fan of Jade I think she has some major strengths And some major weaknesses right now Obviously needs to improve in ring a little bit But, 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 but I don't think anyone has ever said a, a a thing opposite the fact that Jade looks like a star. She carries herself like a star. She's got a distinct, different look. One thing that Vince McMahon always said, do you pass the airport test? If you're walking by and you see Jade Cargill, you turn and look. You absolutely stop and look. She's good looking. She's athletic. And she's just unique. She's different. She's not the same cookie cutter person you throw out there each and every week. And I will not act like she can go out there right now and have a 15 or 20 minute match with a Becky Lynch in a if in a match of the night setting. But can they have her character come in and be like a badass Goldberg like character where initially she gets a lot of big wins and then we've got to tell a story and then we've got to ex- expand her character a little bit and then we've got to layer it but can she just come in be dominant get some big wins right away i think so and within 5 minutes chad not this isn't an, an anti AEW thing this would have been the same thing for any wrestler coming from impact mlw new japan a guy like a jay white or a will osprey who a lot of people know The moment you walk into WWE and they want to give you the push and they want to get really behind you, there is nothing like that promotion. Within five minutes, Jade Cargill was a 20-time bigger star and more well-known than she ever was in AEW. She was even in the ring with Shaq in AEW. We had ESPN writing articles about her. She was giving out quotes to them. The WWE account themselves was tweeting, who should Jade Cargill be facing? That was... Massive for her And for how they feel like They're going to treat her moving forward You're not the only one who said that I mean they uh, They're all in on you literally <laughs> um, No pun intended for I know them. right or if they're uh, all out on you huh? They're all out brother <laughs> um, It is uh, Man uh, we heard the rumors And then they uh, Confirmed them earlier this week And it has just been Massive some massive takeoff. Now, here's the big million dollar question. Do they take their time with her and keep her in uh, in training? Because uh, she needs she needs some, right? Like that's the thing. She's how not a long finished is she product. going to be off of TV? That's my question. Because right now that that is what it's a little the way that they were mentioning her 
does not make me think they're going to keep her off TV for a long time. I agree. I like they were acting like she's already someone who could come right up to the main roster. I think she has the star power and the character to do it. I'm a little bit worried though about the in-ring work because like we said we've not we haven't seen her in competitive matches really. This is a very Goldberg thing to me cuz yeah. she was treated like Goldberg and we saw one of the problems he had was okay, once that dominant character runs its course and now you need to have a 15 minute main event or a 20 minute main event main event at a house show, can you do that? And she could use some more reps at the performance center. But does that make her star power seem a little bit less if she's on NXT, if we don't see her for a month or two and then she shows up? Do you want the first pop she gets to be in front of 50,000 people or 20,000 people on USA and not at the Performance Center? I don't think this is an NXT debut. I Me could either. be completely out of the ballpark. This is too big. Me neither. Um, I, I think... Is- this is she shows up on Raw or SmackDown or both or attack somebody at, at the a, end of a match or a PLE. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. Totally agree with you. Yeah. I think we're going to get I think about a month or two. We'll see her. And I, I think that's I think, OK. Me they're going to keep showing you on social media. They're going to keep telling you you're gonna, they're going to drive up. Look, WWE YouTube numbers still to this day are insane. I mean, they uh, they're more than the NFL, NBA, Major League Basketball. They're just insane. You're going to see a lot of her. Um, I, there may be a couple of swerves in there where they think you think she's coming. Now, she's going to be Jade Cargill, correct? It's That's another great question. They, they've done this before, too, where they presented somebody with their name and then changed their name. Okay, just asking. But, but I, don't li- I wouldn't like that. I don't think they should do that. Like they, The way they've already brought her in talking about her like she's a big star, presenting her like she's a big star. I think you I think you want her to come in as Jade Cargill and yeah, shout out to WWE. They've done a really nice job making her feel like a big star before she's ever done anything. And I wouldn't I wouldn't feel good if we didn't at least mention it, Coop, because we weren't here last week, but as we're celebrating Jade, we also have to uh, you know, feel Feel sorry and feel bad for a lot of really talented wrestlers that lost jobs last week, including one of our personal favorites, Dolph Ziggler, who's been with the company for years and years and years. And Ziggler was released. Shelton Benjamin, Mustafa Ali, Top Dalla, Aliyah, uh, Elias, some of the names that were released last week. Ziggy, I know he was always a personal favorite of yours oh, yeah. and yeah. In, a, in a different universe. There's a, in a different world. There's a there's a version where Dolph Ziggler is one of the two or three best, most popular wrestlers, and is a main event player for years and years and years. It just never all came together for him. Not like he didn't have amazing peaks, but the last few years, this guy should have been treated way differently than he was. Uh, I rank his cash in to win the world championship. Uh, is probably top two or three in WWE history since Money in the Bank. It was awesome. Don't you agree? That 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 was phenomenal. This this guy was on a a rocket. Um, I, he was a Shawn Michaels esque. Uh, it just could take bumps. Had the personality, but something happened there. Here, like you said, over the last couple of years, 
Well, it was uh, first. It was the concussion, right? That that was like right when he when he cat after he cashed in. Was it and it, didn't Del Rio? Yeah, concuss him, and then that was sort of the problem, like because the he was a heel with the briefcase, and he was one of those heels that the crowd really started to like because he's doing great in ring work and he's doing good work as a heel, and so the crowd sort of turns him babyface. But right as he's about to have his big moment, he has a concussion, and I think they got a little nervous with him. Yes, yes. But man, I, like I remember that Survivor Series match when Sting shows up, and he's the sole survivor, Ziggler. And you're we're like you're watching this, going, man, Ziggler's gonna get a big push next year. There's no way they're not gonna like have him set up for something big after being the last guy in this like company defining match. And the Miz, remember the the feud with the Miz over the IC title. How great yeah. that was, and they were you like main eventing stuff. Remember, Big E was introduced to the WWE with, with AJ, with, with AJ Dolph. Remember the the threesome? He was like the big, the hammer for them. This and was. It all started with Nikki. He was a cheerleader <laughs> in the yeah. Spirit Squad. Yeah. So uh, shout out to Dolph Ziggler, super talented and underrated. He's always been one of your and my kind of personal favorites that um, didn't get the pushes more recently that he should have. Over on Monday Night Raw, we man, I the one thing I, I I've always pointed out about wrestling when people just act real, I love it. And on Monday Night Raw, we've got a bunch of guys that are acting real. They're acting like how people would act if someone like Jay Uso came over. Like all of a sudden, at your office, there's this real controversial figure that gets hired, and a lot of people have problems with them. And this is like the kind of thing that would be happening. You have a few people who are like, you know what? Let's uh, let's give him a chance. You know, everybody deserves it. Then you have another couple of people who are like, screw this guy. <laughs> he screwed me over before, you know? And then like, you have some people who are in the middle and they don't know what to do. And it just feels real. There are all these different shades of gray. And now I'm, I'm super intrigued at like, Drew McIntyre, how he feels about Jay and Cody feels different, and Sammy and KO, they feel a little bit different. And they're telling this story well. And on both SmackDown and on Raw, they look like they are setting us up for some Survivor Series matches, right? Some war game uh, stuff. And I hope, and I'm hoping, I really do. I think we're going to get another good classic vintage KO turn here. Somebody's I do. Gonna, somebody's going to turn, and I think it's him. It's got to be. It, I think we need. I think we need him Hill. He's been a little too kind of floating by as a baby face. I agree with you. He's not he's he's not standing out enough no. where no. KO should. But we're on the road to what looks like Sammy, KO, Cody all teaming together. I could even see maybe the new day with the with the baby face side. And then on the other side, it looks like we have Judgment Day. Um, Drew McIntyre is in the middle of this all. And Jamie right? McDonough is getting stuff thrown at him. So <laughs> while there is a lot going on, why I don't mind is because it isn't like a segment where, oh, no, here comes five guys out at the end. Like everything is unique. Like every character has their own thoughts. They, they, meant they have their own time to cut promos. They share their feelings on this. And so it's not just like, oh, here comes a group of five guys at the end. And there's 
the frustration in my voice as we've been interrupted a, a couple different times. But on Raw, loop, they're setting us up for the big, uh, what looks like a War Games or Survivor Series match maybe coming soon. But that's a, a little bit of a ways away still. Um, Is that November I, still? Did they do that? Yeah, right. uh, okay. Survivor Series. So I know we've got a Saudi Arabia show coming up sometime soon. Um, I I like what they're doing here, though. And, and they've made the Judgment Day feel like such a big part of the show. And they're doing with the Judgment Day little things that they were doing with the Bloodline where they're, uh, you know, the character work, like layering things. Now Rhea's out for a while uh, selling the Nia Jax injury. So they feel a little bit weakened. And I'm I'm intrigued. I think it's really good writing. And it's similar to what I was talking about with Jey Uso. You've got all these different characters with different motivations, different feelings. And I think they're doing a great job. Yeah, and it's fun to see these type of workers do this type of work without chasing a world heavyweight title. Remember, what are we going to do with Cody Rhodes? What's going on with Cody Rhodes? I yep. think it's been fine. I think Me it's too. been fine. But I, as I mentioned before... I think we this is setting up for a good old-fashioned KO turn. I'd love to see KO Cody at it, you know? Uh, not so much him and Sammy, even though we've been there, done that. They put on good matches. But, man, a good old Cody uh, KO feud on television and a big match somewhere down the road, that, I, I'm perfectly fine with that. Me too. I think that would be really good. Looks like Ciampa is going to be someone to come after Gunther in the IC title. So they're building up. Another contender for Champa, Chad Gable still uh, says that he's in the mix. So, I mean, we've had many years where felt like the mid card titles are are afterthoughts. Now we've got a bunch of guys that all want to go for these titles, and that's how it should be. Can't go wrong with that. I mean, we can't, you know, say anything bad about it because we were for the longest. They were horrible, both sides. Raw and SmackDown, U.S. title, Intercontinental title, they were afterthoughts. Uh, they were almost jokes, and whether it's Triple H deserves all the credit, or, I, I mean, I guess he does, he's the head, but a lot of people believed in a lot of different people coming in, coming up, getting those titles and running with it, and it's been A-plus since. Guther, Gable, uh, Ciampa, um, it, it's been fun stuff. The Imperium, a couple of, there's cracks in the Imperium, which looks good. I don't mind those guys losing. And Guther uh, being upset about it, but just a just fantastic writing and booking and putting the titles on the right people at the right time. Rollins sets up his match with Nakamura. They were going to have a last man standing match. Good promo from Rollins. I thought the video from Nakamura was good. Last man standing. The stipulation makes sense. All of this feels pretty solid. And even the Ricochet fact that Ricochet was kind of kept a part of this. They showed him that he's, you know, uh, on crutches. And when he returns, I could see him having a blow-off match. Like, I could see him and Nakamura having a singles match at WrestleMania. Sure. As, sure. you know, something big for him that's got some storyline to it. So I like that the, he said no matter who wins the title, he's coming after them. That that could be cool. Best match that we've ever seen from Dominic so far? Oh, 100%. Yeah, Dom, I agree. Dom really gets good. the win. Over Dragon Lee, that was awesome. And Dominic is getting better and better and better in ring. We had Nia Jax cut a, a promo, and she just oh, yeah. said she's the baddest human in all of WWE. 
She mentioned Rhea, Shayna, Zoe, Raquel, Chelsea, and Piper. Chelsea. She missed yeah. my girl, Chelsea. Chelsea Green. Chelsea Green. Um, hey, what did you think about her and Zoe? I mean, we were all behind Zoe, big feud with Becky, and she basically squashes her. Are we okay with that? I don't I don't mind it as long as they all get their comeuppance at some point. And like, I think Zoe is going to. I, me too. I saw some pop behind Zoe. I thought the crowd got behind her. I agree. She jumped on Naya's back and tried to move. I think that's that's a good face to turn heel. Completely or agree. To turn here. Her and or Shayna even could both be yeah. like those badasses. Shayna has the background with Naya. They were tag team partners for a while. Uh, we saw Drew McIntyre continuing to turn heel. But man, what's great about this, it's real. This is a sure. guy who's talking about all of his real emotions. He kind of got screwed over during the pandemic. He didn't get to have his big moment. We thought it was going to be a clash at the castle. He didn't get to have the big moment then. In real life, this guy would be mad at Jey Uso. This guy would be frustrated with Cody Rhodes. He would be frustrated with other people coming in, taking his spot. You've always said uh, real life, and you said it already today in this show. So uh, it goes hand in hand. Uh, when you have real emotions involved, which I'd be pissed off too, um, it makes for better TV. Monday Night Raw. Uh, finished up with that main event match The Judgment Day pick up the win Priest and Balor because of J.D. McDonough It was an awesome 20 minute tag match So they and are also, still I, you know, I also thought we got another very good segment With Seth and Shinsuke It was good on both sides You got to yeah. see a little more of the baby face from Seth More of the heel stuff from Nakamura With the videos up, uh, What are we doing? Uh, last, last man, man standing at fast lane? Okay. Last man standing there Let's quickly run through the NXT card for No Mercy. It looks like there are six matches on the card right now. The family, Tony D and Channing Stacks, we're going to have a <laughs> fatal four-way. Uh, they're going to face OTM, Lucian Prince, and Bronco Nima. Scripps is with them. The Creed Brothers and Los Lotharios. Okay. I actually, I thought the setup for this was pretty funny when they're all at the Italian restaurant eating. Yeah, yeah and, it is funny. You know what? I like that the Creed brothers have had a story for a while. They've they've showed us some segments and uh, some vignettes with Price and, and Bronco Nima and Scripps. And they've done the same thing with Carrillo and Garza. You may not like the angles they're going with, but with all of these teams, they're at least building them up and giving them some TV time before this match. This should just be a lot of fun. And I don't know if I have any real prediction on who wins this thing. I I, I guess I could see either the family or uh, or the Creed brothers getting the victories here. They but they put some into the Los Lotharios now. Even them, I guess, wouldn't shock wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I think somebody called them the former what was formerly known as Los Lotharios. I you know maybe they win. I wouldn't mind seeing them have a a title run. I, I, no. I have no idea. I, I'm if I had to pick someone, uh, it's probably a little long shot here. But I'd go with. Uh, Los Lotharios here. I'd like to see them too with the title, have some runs and, and some fun matches on Tuesday nights. We have the British rounds rules match for the Heritage Cup. Noam Dar versus Butch. This should be a blast. Man, Butch had a real good match Tuesday night, didn't he? And I would not be shocked if they put this on Butch. Yeah. It would it wouldn't shock me. This was Pete Dunn. Now, this is a good use of of Butch because I do think that Noam Dar is best with this cup. Yes. He he does a great job with it. They're all, they're celebrating. 
Uh, he's got the group with him. So I'm predicting Noam Dar slimes out of this some some way. Um, but yeah, I, I like, I think, really good use of Butch there. Trick Williams. That was a big night for Trick on Tuesday. Big night. And you just sort of think about that Dom was supposed to face Ali on this show. And WWE released Ali. You wonder if they had plans for Ali to win this thing. Would that be the second time for Ali when there was like big brother? Remember, brutal. Remember with the WrestleMania with Kofi Mania. That was supposed to be Ali Mania, and it was Kofi Mania. But we've got Trick Williams versus Dirty Dom. Dirty Dom. Do do we get something where? Well, we get Dragon Lee as the special guest referee, and Dragon Lee's the the ref. Could we get something where tr- where Trick wins this, and then Carmelo loses his title later, and Trick's the champ, and Carmelo's not, and then that that sort of there's a dynamic between the two of them. Um, Ooh, interesting. I think Trick. I think Trick's got a shot to win this thing. I really do. I do too, but I I think Car- Carmelo loses. Me too. Hundred percent. I one hundred percent think Carmelo loses, and I don't know if it's because of Trick. I think Trick might have a a say in that I don't know if we're getting a heel turn or if it's he comes out to try to help him and it, it something gets messed up and it leads to more shades of gray with them. I I wouldn't even I have a problem. I don't even know. I me don't neither. even know if they need that because me neither because I so damn good. Me too. And I like because the, the problem I have, I would be fine with a trick Carmelo feud on NXT, but I want those guys to be together when they go up to WWE. Yeah, and I, I think we might be looking a little much, uh, too much into that. We might. Trying to push it. I, 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 my personal feelings are I think Dom wins. I, I think he's still too good with the title on, on Monday nights. But I do think Dragunov is is your new NXT uh, champion. For yeah, sure. I, I, I if I had to predict it, I would say Dragunov wins. And I don't think it's clean. May not be. May and not he, does be. Not, he could do it clean, but I think it's it's... There's, it feels like the way they're playing into it with the Carmelo trick stuff that there's there's probably something there too. And man, it the promo the that Dragonoff and Carmelo had like their contract signing. It was it was funny because Dragonoff has like gotten to this point now where when he talks, the crowd is silent, and it's not in a bad way. It's not because they don't care about what's going on. It's because they really want to hear what the guy's saying. It's it was like. You're watching it, you're like, wow, they're not really into this much. But then as soon as he escalates it, they get into it. I really think the crowd is, like, listening intently to the way that dragon off. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just love and the, the way, way he just uh, – who did he beat the pulp out of on Tuesday night in front of their family? Oh, who was my, that? It was oh a strap match, right? Oh, my God. That was a few weeks, two weeks back. Yeah. Oh, two weeks back. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, we didn't talk last week. Because we didn't talk last week. Oh, I mean, oh. dude, I mean, come on, man. I mean, this got to give this guy the rocket because dude, I don't I, know where I, I, you could build Carmelo back up in in a hurry. I, this guy, I don't know what, what you do with him after this. Yeah, and you've got, like, you've got Carmelo and Trick with the story ready for each yeah, other. you could chase the title for it. You get an automatic rematch. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, uh, I, I think that definitely that title changes. Becky versus Tiffany. Man, they've done a good job with these two gals, and we're gonna have a, a like a no DQ match. This Extreme is be yeah. F- Tiffany trying to step up a little bit and show that she's a badass and Oof. great. You know, and 
I will say when she won that title, the first six weeks or so weren't great for her. No. Remember, like they didn't really know what they were doing. They put her out there cutting promos a couple times where she was sort of talking in circles. It almost reminded me of Mandy Rose at the very beginning. Sure. When when you could see that they were kind of lost and figuring it out. And sure enough, uh, she is gold right now. Man, Becky, Becky is going to whip her with that, that Singapore cane. Um, oh, man, Tiffany. Whew, we're going to find out how tough she really is because Becky is a, a tough gal in these extreme rules, no DQ type matches. Do we get something, but something we don't get something with Jade this early? Does Jade uh, come out like after? The, could we see something where Jade goes to NXT and beats Becky beats, for the NXT oh, championship? Why did you have to go and just spoiler alert everybody? Right? Could that be something? Well, she could, just beats the piss out of her. Right? Like, excuse my language. You know, but like a like something like. She comes out at the after the match. Becky wins. Becky's tired and beat up. And Jade says, "Just destroys her." Let's do this right now, or just destroys her. We get the we get the WrestleMania. Uh, what was it? What WrestleMania ninety three at the in Vegas at the at the made up Coliseum when Bret oh, Hart yeah. loses, Caesar's and then Palace. here comes Caesar's Hulk Hogan was in togas. Caesar's Palace. Bobby the Brains on a camel in a toga, and you've got Bret Hart doing the. Go get him, Yoko, Hulk. Brett yeah, Yokozuna. <laughs> and he goes and gets Yokozuna. Yeah. Is that what we're going to get here? I don't know. Well, but... I'll tell you this. i tell you, and not that it means anything, like for extra incentive, but I didn't realize it until, uh, you know, doing some, some research for NXT this weekend. This is the first ever WWE PLE pay-per-view in the company's history where WWE is not owned or controlled by the McMahon family. Wow, you're right. It's the very first one. It's official. And and you know what? There's something to say about the fact that Jade Cargill is the first TKO hire. Yes. Right? And that's the first. they still operate separately. They still operate separately, UFC and WWE, right? But uh, if you're going to do something big with her now, uh, her and Becky, you're not going to get any bigger than that. I mean, her and Charlotte just doesn't fit right. I'm just not telling yet. you now. Man, you and especially you especially not everybody. yet because like the dynamic, I don't think is quite it's there. there. You want Becky her to look her. dominant, and she could dominate Becky, and then you could tell the story where Becky comes back and beats her. But I yes. know the one match that a lot of people were all, were instantly talking about just because of the the unique athleticism of both of them was Jade Bianca. That people well, were like, oh, I mean, in due time, right? Absolutely, you know, but I think you want Jade to come in, get a big dominant win over a big name early on, and Becky might be that with the NXT title. Like, that would make a lot of sense why they put it on Becky to then have Jade beat her. Gino, this is, uh, this I know is why they pay you the big bucks. This is Coop. This is <laughs> Coop. We talked um, yourself. We talked ourselves into spoiler. I just booked myself. No into one, a, no, I was going to say. No one I, has mentioned this. Not that I, I worked, know of. I worked myself into a shoot here. You did. Now. You worked I'm, yourself into I'm a shoot. shooting here now. So because uh, I haven't seen that. You know, I'm sure somebody may have said something on Twitter. Fans, hey, be Becky or whatever. But I haven't seen too much on it. That's the best way to get her to NXT because she needs another month, six weeks, two months of reps. 
of training, of figuring things out, the WWE way of doing it. But that way, you get her on TV in a few spots. She can even have a segment or two on Raw. You don't have to have her out there wrestling all the time quite yet. She can have a big, quick win over someone that makes her seem like a star. It doesn't hurt Becky any if it's right after Becky's already had a match and defended the title. So all of those things would work really well. You don't feel like you're sending Jay down to NXT because she's not ready yet if she beats Becky. True. I like it. I like it. God, I'm a, I'm a smart guy. God, God, I'm good, Chad, at this. Worked up. Freaking good. Okay, Chad, we're going to get out of here in just one second, but let me know, college football. Yeah, this weekend, yeah. You had a great first couple weeks to start. Yeah. What up? Uh, last your... week, I, I had a bye week. Uh, unfortunately, last week, not too yeah, much. You had the early bye. It's okay. Everybody had, had an early bye. Um, I, I'm looking at two games. One, I'm not. I'm not keen on the spread, and uh, they're both in the SEC, um, which is a league I'm really not fond of. But you know, anytime someone tries to give Ole Miss, um, uh, so, okay, Ole Miss has a shot. You know, everybody was jumping on Ole Miss last week. Heck, um, why wouldn't you? Alabama was was struggling with South Florida and flipping quarterbacks. This is Lane Kiffin's turn, right? He and and they just couldn't get it done. If you're going to beat Alabama, this is year to beat Alabama. In. And Ole Miss just couldn't get done. I, I, Jackson Dart, for as good as the season he had last year, just hasn't showed me anything. Um, now Jackson was, Dart, do, 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 do. Jackson Dart, do, 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 do. And though I'm not a fan, LSU has quietly became one of the best teams in the SEC after that that opening game loss to Florida State. They are quietly putting together a run. They're only minus two and a half going into Ole Miss this week. The game's probably going to be close. I I think LSU's the better team here. I think they beat Ole Miss. I think they win by at least a field goal. Um you know, if you see three, four get up there, I, I don't know if I would be involved in that. But the first game, I'm I'm LSU here. I think they've been really solid since since losing to Florida State. Florida State hasn't been that shabby. They did have to come back and win uh, at Clemson last week in overtime. But um, I, I tell you, I like LSU here in, in, in putting Lane Kiffin down uh, here. I think they'll go 0-2 in the SEC. My other one's in the SEC, too. I don't like this spread, but um, Texas A&M has been very intriguing this year, and they got bad news. They lost a stud quarterback, Wigman, right? Um, this, this kid was was supposedly going to be the next big thing. We find out over the weekend he's got a broken foot. Um, they, have a, they put together a solid win last week against Auburn, and here they are come face-to-face with Arkansas, who, by all sense and purposes, went toe-to-toe last week with LSU. Arkansas and Texas A&M are playing back at AT AT&T Stadium this weekend. An early kickoff at 11 Mm a.m., where Texas A&M, in this series, is 7-1 against Arkansas. Now, here's the the caveat here that's tagging me. I was able to get the spread at six, Texas A&M minus six. Max Johnson is not a slouch backup quarterback. In fact, he started three games last year. Um, they thought he could have been the, been the starter uh, a couple of times. They basically have the best backup quarterback in the country. Now, AM again, is going to have to run the football. 
I think Arkansas comes in, is going to play tough. You have Bobby Petrino on the other side calling plays for Texas A&M. He might wear his damn neck brace, Gino. <laughs> he's going to, I was going to say, he's, that's a, that is right there, a used car salesman of all, you know, right? He might wear his damn neck brace. I don't like this six. Uh, I, I definitely would not play the hook. Um, it, it might be close and I might lose it. I just think, a look, I, I think A&M is better. Um, Jimbo's on the hot seat, not hot seat, but hey, they said, hey, look, man, we, we paid you $100 million. You need to do better. They did. They beat Auburn like they were supposed to. Now they go to Texas Stadium. The crowd will be ruckus. Arkansas, um, hey, they're in a must-win situation, too. They start 0-2, 0-3 in the SEC. You're in trouble. But I'm going I'm to go with A&M, A&M here, minus six. Anything over that, I'd probably walk away from. It could be a backender, a backdoor. But I'm going to go A&M, A&M minus six, LSU minus two and a half. Two for Coop. And Coop, I uh, was a terrible host. I even forgot one. Uh, what what do we do? Last thoughts: Braun Breaker, Baron Corbin. That's oh, a match. Man. That's actually scheduled for the uh, for the pay per view. Um, it's been fun. It's been it has fun. Been a really Corbin, good build. Yeah, it's been a really good build, and I think this is really good for for Braun Breaker. Um, who's your prediction? Oh man, I'm gonna go Breaker here. I think they Me get too. Breaker back on track. I think you get a win for him back on track, and then you can push him up. Maybe he's a rumble guy, you know, yeah. that, oh, that comes oh, out 100% either in way a couple months. Is, but I think they get him back on track and, and, and maybe jumpstart here over the next couple of months. And uh, he debuts at the rumble on the main roster. Koopaloop, agree you hanging with us through some technical difficulties today. Thank Got you it, so much, my friend. Good luck in your college plays this weekend. Keep it rolling. And yeah, we have two WWE or two wrestling shows this week, an NXT and an AEW one. We'll be talking about those next week right here. On That's What G Said and This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. And that's going to do it for this episode of That's What G Said podcast. Cooper Loop helping us out every week with wrestling. Thanks to Barry Spears. Barry's been uh, pulling some heavy weight lately with all the help covering different races all around the country, all around North America, really. And then Eric. Each and every week, you can hear Eric helping us preview all of the NFL games. Thanks so much, folks. Hope you had a great time listening, and we'll be back soon with Ahsoka, another recap, a deep dive of everything that went down in Episode 7. Loki will be starting soon, and we'll have some Loki episode-by-episode uh, episode previews for you of that one. And now with Santa Anita opening up, we'll have content and best bets every day. So if you never need help over there, if you're someone who wants to, to get a little uh, analysis for college football games, don't forget there's a show on Fridays at DRF Sportsbook on Twitter. I'll always retweet it, and me and Eric go over our best bets and some of the big games for college football Saturday. And then we also talk some stuff for uh, NFL for Sunday, then the Sunday morning show, 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time, NFL Betting Blitz, where we preview all of the Sunday and Monday games. We give you the up-to-date information on injuries, um, who's in, who's out, fantasy and DFS adv- uh, advice, and um, how we're uh, we're going to play the games with the final numbers that appear. So always busy, always churning uh, more and more out, and we appreciate you always listening and, uh, and hanging out with us here. Good luck this weekend.